This is the Criterion Creeps Podcast. I'm Jared Duncan. RJ Baylock. And we're just two guys who have no other choice now but to creep our way through the Criterion Collection one spine number at a time in order of release. This week, we're telling it the way it is, just in four different ways. And there's a raped woman. As we watch Spine 138 in the Criterion Collection, Akira Kurosawa's Rashomon from 1950. But first, RJ, how are things? Well, I'm going to lay it on you like this, Jer. We're halfway through Creeptober. I was feeling good. I was feeling strong. I had a lot of energy today. We got some uh, positive feedback, and I was was flying pretty high. I got home, and uh, I had about a half an hour pre-pod. And uh, I was like, what do we have to eat? We didn't have many groceries. And I found uh, some old uh, fish fillets in the the freezer. Um, And I proceeded to eat these fish fillets uh i think andrea after i was done informed me but that those were well over like two years old um which probably isn't a big deal but i'm gonna full disclosure my tummy is a little sore Uh oh it's a little sore right now man so we'll see how this episode goes oh man everything was coming down on this rashomon episode uh we could have broke through with this but uh man i might have to have an emergency uh, break in the pod here Oh, man. Well, uh, stay tuned, listeners. Uh, that's what people want to hear about, right? Mm-hmm. It's that preamble, baby. Yeah. That good content. Yeah. This is uh, tummy tummy troubles. <laughs> tummy troubles with the terrible twos? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I'm fine. Uh, as I said, halfway through Creeptober, uh, I slowed down a little bit, trying to catch up on some school stuff, hoping to make some time, watch some more movies. Uh, I would have watched a bunch of movies on Monday, but something took up like eight hours of my day that day. Like what? Uh, I don't know. Some Something called Ghoul School, where oh, we're trying to save, yeah. save uh, all the regular Criterion listeners, listeners the hassle of uh, all the shitty horror movies we watch. Mm-hmm. And we jam it into a... That subsidiary episode. It's supplementary materials, Jerry. Yeah, it's bonus. Like the Criterions would added, call it. Supplementary. Supplements, yes, that's right. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, added value. But uh, I'm doing good. How are you doing, uh, Mr. Homeowner? Well, soon to be homeowner in 10 days. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Housing, it's, it's expensive shit. Mm-hmm. You know, you hear it back, you always think, Ah, you gotta get house insurance. How bad could that be? Oh, it it's horrible. It's just more money. More money on top of more money. And then you gotta like live your life that you like you can't afford to do anything in your own house anymore. So that's cool. I'm very, mm-hmm. very excited about it. RJ. Very excited. Hmm. Packing boxes. <laughs> finding out just how much you have and how much it takes to move that from one location to another. It doesn't matter if it's a block. It doesn't matter if it's, it's th- there's 13 blocks. You still have to pack it all up all the same. Yes, you do. Uh, and it sucks. And I, for one, uh, I'm happy that you didn't ask me to help you move, which yep. is usually the fashion. Uh, I always get conned into helping people move, and I hate it. I hate it, Jared. I don't even have a truck anymore. Why do people ask me all the time? I don't know. Will you come help me move next time I move? Mm, yeah, after you help me. That's a good suggestion, RJ. Hey, what are you doing uh, next Saturday? Uh, I'm working. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm busy. It's, it's funny. A lot of people are busy that weekend. It's all yeah. it's amazing. You know, they, they, these big plans planned, you yeah. know, for the end of October. <laughs> yeah, I'm busy. Um, yeah. <laughs> so uh, anyways, what, what else is going on? We got, we got emails, RJ. How many? Uh, two. You know what else we got? What? We got some appreciation posting on uh, the Reddit. Yeah, Reddit finally nice. Reddit finally came through for our. Uh, it came th- for you us. know what I think the difference was? Hmm. So, I've only I've posted uh, the Ghoul Schools uh, the last like two three years on there, just like at the start of October. I mean, like, hey, uh, we do this podcast called Ghoul School, and we also have this Criterion podcast. And I think I posted in Criterion one time, like two years ago when we started. And Reddit is such like a fickle place that I think it bounced between like 10 upvotes and zero like every time I checked it. And I was like, fuck this place, man. So I think the difference is uh, people don't like it when you're talking about your own thing. Uh, but some other fan that uh, we don't know what yet named a uh, Reddit username Mia Harms uh, had a really nice post. Uh, here we go. Criterion Creeps is a Criterion Collection podcast on YouTube where they go through each movie that's ever had a spine number and discuss it. I discovered them a month ago, and they're such a small channel, it's surprising. They're pretty entertaining to listen to and sound like they're from Fargo. <laughs> uh, this thing blew up on the Reddit. Uh, it's got like in, in, in quotation marks, blew up. Blew up. Uh, well, in terms of like the Criterion subreddit, it, it actually did pretty good. It, like Because I was just on Reddit last night, and I was just scrolling through. And I'm sub- uh, subscribed to the Criterion, and it was like the number one post. I was like, whoa, because I saw our logo, and I was like, mm-hmm. what is this worth shit? And then I went, and I was like, oh, people are actually being nice. Yeah, uh, what a, what a novel amazing. idea on the internet to be pleasant. Well, I'm so used to like just the hate and rhetoric against my character uh, in any form of comment on the internet. Um, and this one actually had its share of it too. Uh, a lot of talk about that guy who hates these movies. Yeah. Um, but a lot of people, even the people were like, I was like amazed that this guy hated this movie. But then they talk about like, uh, what was I going to say? Um, they're like, but they seem like not to be objective about it. And they don't seem like dinks. So a lot of people were like, they're actually kind of nice. A lot of, uh, I disagree with them completely, but uh, they're, they're not bad most of the time. Yeah. What were you going to say? Oh, no, it's like, yeah, maybe it has something to do with our Canadian character or something. Our ni- uh, niceness. Niceness? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. It's just, I found it funny because uh, usually it's so hateful, but this one was nice because... Just like, yeah, I don't really like them, but they're the only guys doing it. And they're not horrible all the time. They're like, sometimes they have good stuff. And I'm like, yeah. Yeah. So nice. as long, long as like uh, more thoughtful, uh, more pleasant people don't come along, uh, we're, yeah. we're good. We got the market we'll be, cornered. We'll be okay. There were some, uh, some really nice comments on there. And then uh, there were some really funny ones. Like uh, one guy that just went, oh, hell yeah, they review laser discs. <laughs> Uh, and then another guy who was like, I hope they have stamina to eventually cover every movie. And uh, I'm here to tell you that we do. Uh, listen to the theme song, buddy. Mm-hmm. We won't stop until we're dead. Damn I guess right. we don't have that on the YouTube. Right? No. The yeah, that's an interesting thing, uh, seeing the uh, uh, 
uh, disparity in popularity between the full episodes and the the YouTube channel, which is an edited YouTubers. form, where you, where you don't get the the full uh, deep experience hanging out with us for two long hours sometimes. Uh, so you only get the the snippets. So I'm really cu- I'm curious what people get out of them. Like I mean, it, it's, mm-hmm. if that works for them, awesome. Because a lot of people maybe don't have as much free time as say I do when I when it comes to my uh, podcast listening. But uh, yeah, I mean that's like it's funny. Like uh, I found that the the show has definitely found far more people via YouTube. Um, mm-hmm. So cool. Thanks. Me arms. <laughs> none, yeah. Thanks. None, none of them are going to hear this. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm, I don't know. I'm interested to maybe a new friend of the show, Frank, uh, mono kid himself can let us know. Cause I think he started listening on the YouTube, right? But, uh, yeah, if he's sure. emailing in, he's got to be listening to these now. So, so I wonder if he converted from, uh, those, uh, docked episodes to these, the full big baddies. That's right. Well, speaking of Frank, oh no, our, our first email comes from nice. Frank with this, uh, subject header of whoa dudes something's hiding in my air vents what's up oh. dudes it's frank here to follow up on that moving adventure funny enough that's uh though it's mostly for jared i think maybe rj might think it's cool so here it mm-hmm. is and whether you believe me or not this is a true story i was four we moved into our new home in athens georgia i was one of those kids mm-hmm. who couldn't sleep when he got excited so christmas was always hell anyways i was ready to explore the new house but i decided to do it at night for no reason while my parents were sleeping uh, so my parents uh, have the air vents in the floor, and I'm not sure why, but the bathroom vent guard wasn't nailed down. So being a curious little fucker, I opened it up and stuck my head in there. To my mm. surprise, I found a little flying saucer-style spaceship. I decided to mm. put it in my toy box and go to bed. In the morning, I decided to go check it out and it had mysteriously disappeared. Because I was a little goofy kid, I shrugged it off, but now realize I could have made a real discovery there, but four-year-old me <laughs> really blew it, and I never saw it again. So I potentially discovered a little alien in my house no joke so jared if you find hmm. a toy size spaceship in your house don't do what four-year-old me did and put it in your toy box because it might just disappear well there's my story for you i hope you enjoyed it before i go i've got a question about movie collecting so recently hmm. i bought two out of print kino lorber blu-rays and one criterion uh out of print blu-ray all one car wide and as you know they're pretty damn expensive my question is is it worth paying double even triple the original sale price for an oop disc how many do you own is it okay that this is why i still haven't given my offering to the creeps patreon as i am in sudden debt <laughs> thanks again buddies and by the way jared and rj you guys are awesome and i'm going to start a cult following hopefully one that leads to creeps worship bill and ted style well thank you frank hmm. um yeah i think you should handle the uh the obscure movie buying uh portion and i'll handle the alien portion yeah you you do the alien portion first yeah okay uh i have a few things to say yeah uh don't beat yourself up you didn't blow it these things are notoriously hard to keep track of. Trust me. I know. Uh, second, uh, aliens are 100% real. That's the reason I watch so many alien shows uh, for the pod, uh, for research, for myself. Um, I believe you completely. I think it happened. Uh, I see weird shit all the time. You ever seen Signs by M. Night Shyamalan? That movie's pretty spooky. Pretty real spooky. Uh, so I'm, uh, I'm with them. I believe them. And I don't think Jarrett will have any problems with aliens. Uh, there will definitely be a haunting uh, at his house, but it's because I'm getting like a indigenous shaman to come and put curses all over your land. So <laughs> there's going to be weird stuff going on, but it won't be oh. alien related. Oh boy. So uh, there you go. <laughs> 
Oh, I just have this horrible image of you going to dig up uh, Indian burial grounds and reburying them at my place. Oh, you, man. Question. You move the headstones, but not so, the graves. It's very uh, problematic. Um, yeah, so, yeah, I know a thing or two about buying movies uh, and oh, spe- yeah. spending money. Uh, that's a thing of the past, though. I won't be able to do that any longer. But, um, <laughs> hey, you're a young man. You, uh, whatever your disposable income you've got, you can, you can do whatever the fuck you want. You got lots of time. But, yep. um, I will say as a person that is like now in the process of packing, uh, their movies up and thinking about how much money they have spent on, uh, movies, uh, sometimes mm-hmm. overpriced special editions and, uh, the occasional out of print, uh, DVD just cause you want to watch a copy of it. Or you maybe say download a movie, really, really like it, go to find an actual copy to own it. Um, and you have to pay way more than you should. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's especially for something that you kind of have this feeling is going to get reprinted. Don't do it. I mean, what's going to happen is you're going to be that person in the cosmic order who takes that hit. And mm. as soon as you buy it, a couple months later, it's going to come out and everyone will thank you for it, uh, in their own little way. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think what's the most expensive thing I ever paid. I've definitely paid like, I don't know if I've ever gone above a hundred for a movie. That's, uh, that, that's that I've never done that. But, but right around 100, though. I mean, I bought, like, there's some box sets. But, I mean, that's, like, multiple yeah. movies. But, yeah, I don't mm-hmm. know. Maybe, like, 65, 75 bucks for something I really wanted. But uh, mm-hmm. I, I haven't really had to do that because, I don't know, there's been nothing I really desperately need. I've got a lot of stuff, though. Like, sometimes I find out, though, that something I have is out of print, and I go, holy shit, mm-hmm. I, I should sell this thing off. But then I, I'm also a compulsive collector who's like, but I want to hold on to it now because it would be hard to replace, even mm-hmm. though the movie's just okay. Um, like like my uh, copy of Shivers I've got on DVD. That thing mm-hmm. still hasn't been uh, released properly on Blu-ray. There was an Arrow one that came out in the UK, but it's like Region B, so you have to have a special player to use it. It's just a pain in the ass. And, and it's like missing like a frame or something stupid. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I don't Or know. your Neon Genesis box set Well, yeah, that's worth like $400. Yeah, some chuds out there trying to sell stuff. They're just gougers. Like the, mm-hmm. the crazy algorithms you see like on Amazon. I don't know. Like this stuff doesn't retain its value. Like on a, if you're buying like, I mean, Blu-ray is probably okay to buy because there's really, I don't know what format's going to come after. But mm-hmm. I mean, Criterion's going to put this stuff out if it's like, coming so if you just want to watch a copy of the movie just just get it get a copy watch it online mm-hmm. get get it through interlibrary loan save yourself some money take that cash put it to like i don't know save it <laughs> like yeah. this is t- speaking as someone who has like three thousand dvds and blu-rays I, um I, yeah <laughs> i was gonna say uh jared's totally understating how much stuff he owns like it's fucking insane every halloween I make a list of like 70 movies and Jared's like, here's a bag with 55 of them. The other 15 you can do on your own yeah. every single year. And it's all these new movies and it's the most <laughs> obscure bogus shit like you ever seen. Like, I don't know. I don't know, man. I don't know. Why, why do you own motel hell on Blu-ray? Why? I don't though. That, 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 that is on a, that is the MGM midnight feature uh, with uh, deranged. So, so I, I didn't actually, I, I could not pony up $30 for the Blu-ray of Motel. I'm sorry. You didn't get to experience an HD. I don't think it really matters. Maybe that's why I didn't like it. Maybe you needed all those extra peas. But yeah, I don't know. I, uh, 
I agree with you. While you're young, buy what you can, because then when you get older, you can't afford you won't. shit. Yeah. You'll get a girlfriend who will get uh, judge you for making uh, bad purchases, and then uh, and then you'll be sad and uncomfortable and miserable. Forever. Yeah, that's that's the thing too is like the resale value on this stuff. Uh, unless you're going to go through the hoops of like being like an online seller type, which I am not. Um, I I should be because I'd make more money off of this crap but i just want to basically get rid of a lot of stuff and i've got bins filled with things that i'm like i had bought ill-advised mm-hmm. oh boy yeah so i don't know they're not a great investment uh but no but yeah you're talking to the right guys though big time collectors yeah that's right and uh so what were you gonna say they're oh, not a great investment not a but. great investment uh i mean but uh, depending on what stuff you're into but if if, if you're into like one car why I guess you want every all those movies do it I, I'm all for it I've got I collect directors stuff I have like a whole mm-hmm. suite of things um, the one thing that used to actually be really helpful in my early days of collecting was uh, when Blockbuster was around because you mm-hmm. could actually get stuff previously viewed so you didn't have to yeah. pay full retail price on stuff which is like you know uh, this I'm talking Canadian dollars 25 to 30 bucks especially for like uh, smaller label things and mm-hmm. uh, getting like I'm, I have tons of that stuff still but I was able to like you know pick it up for like you know nine ninety nine uh, like after about a month of it coming out brand new on DVD as a new release and then they like get rid of their extra copies because they're not renting them anymore and mm-hmm. uh, yeah I, I picked up tons of stuff back in the day for that and uh, now uh, I don't know there's no there's no more blockbuster there's no more cheap uh, DVD Blu-ray rental places so now I have to just get stuff on Amazon and uh, pay out the ass and then the mm-hmm. thing though is a lot of this stuff just shows up on Netflix like two months later. So you, you buy something on Blu-ray, you don't even get around to watching it, then you see it on Netflix and you go, well, what was the point of that? Mm-hmm. Very, yeah. So I don't know. <laughs> what's what's my statement on this? <laughs> I've, I've been, I'm jumping all over the place. What's your what's your thesis statement thesis about statement? this? Uh, about uh, late capitalism? Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm, yeah, I don't know, man. Do what you do, do as thou wilt. That there you go. Uh, I don't. I didn't like that at all. Okay, I'm sorry. Hey, what does Oliver Granger got to say? He's got an <gasps> email about Wolfman. Oh, fuck! We were talking about Wolfman, weren't we? We were talking about the Wolfmans. Uh, on in during, the ghoul school. In ghoul school, yeah. Yeah. So, so uh, congratulations to Oliver uh, for digging deep through the uh, the ghoul school all two and a half hours to get into our conversation about universal horror. Uh, Oliver mm-hmm. writes, I agree with Jarrett. The Wolfman is shit tier universal horror. I oh, agree no. with RJ. You should watch Del Toro as the Wolfman. It's pretty good. I was going to suggest watching Hammers the Curse of the Werewolf starring a sexy Oliver Reed, but we have mm-hmm. all seen it and gave it the exact same rating oh. oh see he's he's fucking he's putting to piecing stuff together that we only dream about man yeah uh that's actually brings up a good point uh i should have put the wolfman uh we're doing a new segment now uh also thanks for oliver for emailing in we're doing a new segment oh, on the goodness. uh the facebook uh it's gonna be fan approved creep watches uh so right now we put out a vote should have been the wolfman but uh you know i messed up so i uh did a little poll for what Jarrett should watch um either stay alive because he watched fear.com or uh ghost dad which uh i feel like he should watch it's been a long time and i wanted him to watch it for a long time but he won't uh so you know Maybe watch Ghost Dad. Uh, it's currently in their lead with 67% <laughs> of uh, nine votes. 
Uh, I can see even uh, a, f- a fan, a-, a friend of the show, uh, Josh Fraser, voted for you to watch Ghost Dad. Wow. And I'm be- betraying his trust. Yeah, you just, wow, you, wow, but, uh, you just totally uh, exposed it. Wow. Well, whatever. You should watch Ghost Dad, you fuck. Son of but a you should bitch, also Josh. watch The Wolfman, Peninsula <laughs> del Toro. I encourage everyone to uh, message about this uh, and e- uh, email Jared um, so that he sticks to it, so he can watch The Wolfman with Benicio and then uh, whatever wins between Stay Alive and Ghost Dad, hmm. as uh, it is. Uh, it's got six days left. Oh man, yeah, six got, days I mean, left. yeah. There's a, I have. There's a way higher chance of me actually watching uh, Del Toro, The Wolfman than uh any of those other two films so uh, there's that well you can opt out and do the third option just do the wolfman so yep that's fine that sounds great well it's always nice to hear from our friends that's right our loyal listener types mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. that all being said oh and uh old old ryan nagler uh mm-hmm. he uh he wrote in say where's the ghoul school well we delivered Ah, yeah, he was uh, he was messaging me. He was getting antsy. He said, "What Chomping the fuck the bit. are you doing? Where's the ghoul school?" I think he saw the uh, the mass uh, the speed that we were burning through movies on Letterboxd uh, without a ghoul school, and was like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! You guys got like 30, 40 movies here. What is this ghoul school going to be like? Eight hours?" And it could have been. We only finished half in two and a half hours of what we had to talk about. So, well. There you go. Yeah. Well, we'll we'll we should be doing at least one more, at least probably for yeah. the end of the month. But, yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. Finish it off for good. Yeah. And go to hell. That's what we'll be for doing. Good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So hey, RJ. What? What you been creeping on? A few things. A few things here. A few things there. Uh, I actually had a rare step out of ghoulish horror for the creeptober month uh, i was i wasn't uh, it wasn't up to me i was taken to a, a film you were kidnapped uh, i was kidnapped uh i was bought dinner at least before i got kidnapped so that that's so, nice uh, this was a date yes this was a date i suppose um yeah i guess i didn't think about it now now that that explains the kiss and the Anyways, so uh, I went to a Thursday night showing of First Man, the hit Neil Armstrong movie that people have been clamoring for. Uh, this is <laughs> the is, movie that like I barely knew existed <laughs> until until I was like, hey, I, I went to First Man, and you're like, what the hell is First Man? I think it was actually like a week ago a week that you were like, you mentioned this thing, and I was like, what? Because yeah. we were talking about awards season, and I'm like, hey, when do like all the uh, prestige movies come? And you're like, well, there's that first man. And I'm like, what is it like a caveman movie? And you're like, no, it's about uh, whatever Lance Armstrong. And uh, oh yeah, it's yeah, it's about the Livestrong bracelets yeah. and uh, Ben Foster, and, uh, isn't it? And I'm like, yeah, sure, the fir- the first guy on steroids to the moon, and. Um, mm-hmm. And I was like, sure. And you're like, Damien Chazelle. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember when he directed that good movie, Whiplash. Mm-hmm. And then uh, then he that's the last thing he did. So uh, no, no, I thought and, you and liked La La Land. It was fine. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's okay. Alternative narratives here. Anyways. Um, so, yeah, first man is Damien Chazelle. Uh, he's hot off of his best director award for La La Land. Um, first man is about Neil Armstrong, obviously with Ryan Gosling playing the man himself. 
you have an assortment of the usual suspects, Jarrett. You have Kyle Chandler, Jason Clark, Shea Wiggum, Pablo Schrader. That's right, from cool. season two of The Wire. He's in this bad boy. Uh, Corey Stoll, Lucas Haas. Lucas Haas is in this movie? Oh, weird. Who, who, are you you? Are, who are these bums? These nameless people? You know uh, yeah, they all got, And they all got buzz cuts, right? Yeah. Uh, and then Claire Foy, who uh, apparently everyone knew was an actress except for me. Uh, she was quite good in this. Okay. Because uh, everyone's like, oh, yeah, Claire Foy's in that. I was like, who's Claire Foy? <laughs> and everyone's like, you fucking idiot. And I'm like, all right, Jesus. Um, but, yeah, Ryan Gosling is Neil Armstrong. Uh, Corey uh, Stoll is Buzz Aldrin. Um, I found him most distracting in this, to be honest. I don't know if that's what Buzz Aldrin looked like uh, as a young as a young man. I know what he looks like as an old man, but Corey Stoll is like kind of a real prick uh, the way he comes off in acting. And I was like, wait a minute, was Buzz Aldrin a prick? Because he seems like a pretty fun like guy in all these old man interviews I see him do. Anyways, that's neither here nor there. All right. I was just saying Corey Stahl comes off weird and it made me think Buzz Aldrin was a prick. Um, so this is about the moon landing. Uh, but First Man is more about uh, all of the steps that lead up to it. It's it's not that much about the moon landing. That's like the last 20 minutes. It's all about the progress and the steps that they take and all the trials and challenges, like all the the exploded shuttles and sending a man up and then back and um, building towards where you can get there, I guess. Uh, and then it's also, um, that's half of the movie. And then the other half of the movie is like Neil Armstrong's family. So it's like him and his wife, uh, his two kids, and uh, the the daughter they had that um, died of cancer. So that's like a, that's a pretty big part of this movie is like the, the daughter that they lost. Um, so this movie, Jarrett, uh, it's mostly about family um, and about like cold hearted men that are like de- devoted to something um, like stone cold determination and their motivation or, or they're, they're like conceitedly obsessed with doing a job that other things kind of get pushed to the pushed to the side a lot. Um, so not only did I think Buzz Aldrin was kind of a dink, I thought Neil Armstrong himself came off, uh, pretty cold in this, which I think is like the point. I think a lot about this movie is the fact that like, it's like, no, it wasn't easy. It took a lot of work. No one has any idea how much like went into this, all the guys that were involved and all the people who came before. It's like, and they had to be like this or it would have never happened. And it's like, yeah, I agree. It, it probably did have to be like that. You it's a lot of hard work to fly to the moon, Jared. Um, but takes, I was like, it's a little bit of uh, chutzpah, a little bit of yeah. uh, elbow grease. Yeah. So like, I get that. Um, but I feel like, so I, th- I think Neil Armstrong comes off a little cold because it's like really conceited obsession. And I think the thing I didn't totally like is they kind of twist this thing around, Jared, to the emotional heart of this movie is about uh, the like the child that they lost. And I think they try to, they almost try to say it's like part of why he was so motivated was because of loss and grief and he didn't really know how to deal with it. So he put himself into that and like, yeah, that's, that's probably true, but 
um, it's it's like a way to frame the story, I guess. Okay. Uh, anyways, um, I I love space movies. I think I've talked about that before. Uh, just talking with Frank about aliens. I love aliens, man. There's none in this movie, not that I saw at least, but uh, could have been hidden in the background. Um, so I always think that's cool stuff. It's there's such like a magic to it uh, about what it is. It was a pretty cool achievement, like an accomplishment. It was like when we watched a. Uh, for all mankind. Yeah. Uh, I really like that movie. And yeah, I'm, I don't I think it's surprised anything, how but... well regarded you think like you placed that movie quite highly in your uh, ranked list. Uh, I did. And then the thing is like, I don't think it's necessarily better than a lot of those other movies, but at the time, like whenever I add a movie to uh, the list, I'm like, uh, I don't know if it was as good as that. Like I, uh, I like the, the wow of the achievement it's like man that's so neat look at these guys they're in space woo uh so i really like that space stuff i think it's pretty cool yeah. uh the movie itself is very well done uh damien chazelle uh he's like he's got some style and he's got real precision with how he directs this thing like it is a, a it's basically a perfectly put together movie i think um everything's like edited right they do all the right stuff it's a uh, it's very uh shiny so uh it, logistically speaking uh it's it's a very good movie um the one thing uh that i liked but i i think could probably get on people's nerves is um it's like a very personal movie and they show that by having close-ups all the time so i get it where it's in the space stuff where it's like in the space shuttles uh, it's really claustrophobic and they show close-ups all the time to show like how tight these areas were and how shitty that would have to be to be like with four guys in this basically in like the driver's seat of a car. Um, so it's it makes sense in those uh, situations, uh, but they also show it in all the family dynamic where it's like uh, him and his wife talking to each other. It's all super close-up all the time. So I think they do that to like, get this get this feeling across uh i thought it was fine but i could see other people maybe not being uh cool with that um and then the only other thing uh i'll say is uh, i won't spoil it but this movie has a real hook uh of an emotional sting at the end um it didn't really work for me uh i was more like uh impressed emotionally uh by the achievement where they're like they they make it there and then they make it back. I was like, oh yeah, it's beautiful. I was like, I love spaceships. Look how good they did. Uh, but they they really go for this. Uh, I don't know. I think they they're trying to make you cry, basically. Mm. Big sappy bastard, you know. Uh, so I don't I don't think you would dig it, but uh, I'm sure it I'm sure it probably works for a lot of people. Hmm. Not that it, not that it's bad. I was just like, it didn't, it didn't really work for me. I was like, ah, oh, this didn't make me cry. I think it was supposed to. Oh, okay. So, uh, anyways, um, no, first man is good. It's a, it's a very, uh, well put together movie. They don't talk about those hidden figures though. Oh yeah. <laughs> Wasn't that a big deal like a year ago? Uh, a couple, a couple oh, years. Okay. I got that. I got that Oscar nod and wink. But you know, Ooh, not yes. not gonna not gonna go all the way though. <laughs> I don't think there was any black people in this movie. <laughs> yep. <laughs> not even like the code writers. Not even. Just Kyle Chandler and Syrian Hines. No, They're like, it's we're about, sending men to the moon. Yeah, well, it's really about our struggle, you know. Ah, uh, yeah, we do have it pretty tough some days. <laughs>
Anyways, uh, do you have any thoughts on First Man? Um, well, this movie sounds okay. Uh, I feel like unless it's going to get nominated for Best Picture, though, it might be a movie best viewed a few years down the road for me. Because yeah. like, sometimes like this subject matter actually does, like, I love the idea of like mm-hmm. human ambition and uh, yeah. kind of like making these big, amazing, crazy strides that like are actually kind of nonsense and uh, mm-hmm. driven by whatever patriotism and stuff like that. So yeah. I, I've, nationalism, I guess. Uh, mm-hmm. this, this this sounds like it could be up my alley. And like I said, I, I really like that whiplash. And La La Land, like, I remember like it coming together and working well in the end, but like I have like mm-hmm. zero interest in ever watching it again. Uh, I'd watch Whiplash like any day though. That movie's sweet. And Hell yeah. uh, First Man, yeah, I mean, I don't know that Ryan Gosling guy. Uh, it seems like he, when, you're, when you're talking about uh, old uh, Neil Armstrong, uh, mm-hmm. it feels like you're like you're. It's, it sounds like he did a good job because you're like uh, Neil Armstrong kind of comes off as cold and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, it's an mm-hmm. actor playing a role, so I mean, it's like that character, I guess. But it's interesting that you're kind of talking about it as like a guy rather than mm-hmm. Ryan Gosling's performance, which you didn't really specifically talk about. So uh, that, that could be a good thing. I mean, that's what I, I think mean. it is. Yeah, yeah, he's a really good. I I like Ryan Gosling. Yeah. He does a really good job, and uh, I think he takes on roles um, and really kind of fleshes them out uh he he does a good job uh have you watched his like art horror movies there's like that lost souls or something like that like something that he worked or produced on they're like kind of like art art house kind of horror i guess you could call them i listen to his band uh dead man's bones which is really sweet they have one album uh it's him another guy and a children's choir from texas and they sing songs about horror movies like oh. Wolfman and Zombies, huh. uh, which is really cool. Uh, I didn't know he was in. You find these uh, horror, art house horror I, movies I, I, sent in my way. I think one of them is called Lost Souls, but, oh, man, it's got a mm-hmm. really specific cover. Anyways, Touch of Evil? Uh, you're, t- tell me about your uh, your creeptobering, though. I will. Uh, one last thing about uh, First Man. Uh, what well, you're saying, that ambition and stuff, uh, that's what this movie is all about. Like, um, sacrificing stuff for the ambition of patriotism. So they do that very well. It's a it's a really good put or well put together movie. But right. anyways, you'll dig it. Um, so I I'll just cover a couple creeps. Uh, one uh, I'm hot off of Demon City Shinjuku uh, by Yoshiki Kawajiri. Um, this is the man who brought us the infamous movie. Ninja Scroll that has famously been quoted to blow your dick off. Uh, one and the same. This is the man. Uh, when I watched Ninja Scroll, I was so dick blown off, impressed. Uh, I was like, what else has this guy done? And I saw this thing. I was like, hey, that's a horror movie. I was like, why not be an anime baby during Creeptober? I can throw one of in there, one of them in there, change it up a little bit. Uh, and so I did. And I chose to do it this week because I'm prejudiced. And I was like, hey, uh, a creep is a, a Japanese movie. Why don't I watch this Japanese anime? Let's line these up a little bit. Lost River, 2014. Lost River, 2014. Directed by Ryan Gosling. Really? Is this an actual D- movie? Dive deep into the underwater town. A single mother is swept into a dark underworld while her teenage son discovers a road that leads him to a secret underwater town. Starring uh, this... Christina Hendricks and Eva Mendez and uh, whatever her name is, Cerise Ronin and uh, 
Ben Mendelsohn, all these Barbara Steele. This mm. isn't on uh, Letterboxd. Yes, it is. <laughs> As what? I'm looking at the movie right now. What's the poster? It's like a mouth. It's a big, like, statuey mouth thing. Yeah. It's called called Lost <laughs> It's not. Oh, is he? he's not an actor. No, but he directed it and produced it. I see. Yeah. I see. I know somebody's watched this movie. Yeah. All right. I'll check it out. Uh, anyways, I was talking about uh, Demon City. Damn right. Fuck. Um, you did, did you hear all that talk about dicks getting blown off? I I did. I'm familiar with the the greater works. Uh, the greater works of Ninja Scroll. Uh, okay. Um. So, anyways, I was like, yeah, I'll be an anime baby. Uh. So I popped this son of a bitch on. Um. I think it's pretty good. Uh. It did not blow my dick off. Not even maybe a half a ball. Um. Not to say that it is bad, but it is not uh not the Ninja Scroll. No. This one is, it's it's got some really neat ideas. I just think it doesn't really, um, never comes together. No. Uh, especially in that first hour, it's kind of like here and there and meanders a little bit and it never really goes anywhere. You're just like, all right, whatever. Uh, it's about like this Dracula kind of guy who at, it's, it opens and he's fighting someone and he gets like this power and he's like, I'm going to turn Tokyo or not Tokyo, but a Tokyo type city. Yeah. He's like into, uh, like the gateway for hell and then he like lays a curse on it. Um, and then it's known as like Demon City because there's like demons all around that city. And P- someone gets kidnapped and like taken in there. And you have a reluctant hero who has to like go in and try to st- bring them back. Bottom line, I think. Um, so it's cool. Uh, I think it could have used some more monsters. Uh, there are some cool ones like. There's this crab guy with like a, a mouth on his chest and there's like a little girl psychic demon thing. She's pretty cool. But uh, I don't well, know. There's the, uh, the, the, the like the one that movie starts off with. Right. Because it's like the spider crotched woman. Right. That's how this one kicks off. Yeah. 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 No. Well, there's the guy who has a it's like a mouth on his chest. Oh, and he's no. got like spider legs. I think I'm, thinking of, I'm thinking of Wicked City. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, I was gonna say I don't I don't well, know I'm, any spider. I'm, all, all my my anime dark violent city films are kind of blurring. I think. Yeah. Uh, no, there there's like some cool monsters, and then like the Dracula, like the big baddie guy, he's pretty cool. Uh, it's got cool parts. It just I don't think it really comes together anytime. So it's all right. Yeah. It's not bad. Yeah, I I've seen this uh not even that long ago, and I don't remember anything about it. Yeah. It's um. It's it's okay. Do you want to hear about tentacles? <laughs> yes, yes, I do. RJ, uh, also known known as Tentacoli, uh, by Ovi Ovidio G. Esanetis. Yes, uh, the man, everyone the knows him. Yeah. the man himself. Uh, what we have the here? Visitor. Oh, really? Another. I don't movies. know what that is. Oh, uh, <laughs> he's a good dude. He's he's directed some wacky things. Is he though? Yes. Uh, so, well, he brought us Tentacles from the 70s, uh, featuring John Huston, Shelley Winters, Henry Fonda. It's got an all-star cast, Jared. Uh, 
No, man. Hey, awesome. see, I've seen that. What, what, what has he got here? Sorry, I was confusing with another dude that directed Visitors. But no, he directed Madhouse, which is mm. not too bad. Beyond the Door, which is a Exorcist knockoff, not too bad. But I've never seen Tentacles, uh, mostly because I've never heard... seen Tentacles. No, but I'll, all uh. I all I know about Tentacles is um, a few years ago on a, on some other podcast they were doing mm-hmm. a thing about soundtracks and they were talking about mm-hmm. about vinyl LPs and they talked and they played some Tentacles and it's like my God, did uh. I just got to ask, this isn't how we do things, but did you see my letterboxed review of Tentacles? I did. Should I just read that for uh, for the fans out there? Absolutely. Go for it. So here was my letterbox review. Uh, I started off with a quippy joke. You know how I, I do. Uh, weirdest prequel to Blackfish. Uh, I'll get there. Uh, but here's my real review. This thing's score fucks so hard. Just elevated every scene. At times, the story drags a bit, like the boat race. But then this rockin' ass music picks up, gaining speed, and blows your dick right off. <laughs> this score fucks. Um, and I stand by that. Uh, tentacles, Jarrett? Mm-hmm. The score in this movie? It fucks. Uh, real hard. So, as a movie, uh, it's okay. It's got uh, it's got some cool ideas. It uh, like It's basically a giant squid, and an evil corporation is doing testing underwater and this squid is like pissed off and it starts like killing people cool pretty much uh so you get a few squid scenes um you get a lot of like bodies that uh drift up on shore actually this movie starts jared uh killing a baby on screen sweet uh so it's uh the baby's left um like over a like at a picnic area and uh it's because tentacles jared this squid he comes up on land pulls people into the water uh sucks all the marrow out of the bones and the bodies wash up they're all like shriveled out that's what happens sometimes yeah that's what happens when you get tentaculied uh you know what the so problem th- is though rj is a hmm. video a scientist didn't write tentacle who the the director <laughs> He didn't write. He didn't oh. also write the movie because he wrote Madhouse, Beyond the Door, and he wrote the film The Visitor, and and he also wrote Piranha Two: The Spawning, directed by James Cameron. Hmm. Well, a guy named Tito Carpi wrote Tentacles. He also wrote uh, Escape from the Bronx. Whoa. Uh, I don't think it's the one you think. Uh... Not 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 Escape from New York. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so anyways, yeah. um, tentacles, man. Uh, the movie itself is okay. Like I said, there are parts where it kind of drags out a little bit, but the score is so awesome. Uh, there's this really long scene. It's like 10 minutes long where there's this boat race and you just don't fucking care about it at all. There's a there's side story. There's a side story with this lady and her kid. And the lady's like kind of shitty. She's like, I'm the best mom ever. And she wears this gigantic fucking sombrero, uh, which is actually hilarious. Uh, and I tried to take pictures of it, but um, I was watching it on uh, this was on Amazon Prime video, actually. Yeah. And I was watching it on there and they uh, you can't take screenshots while you're watching on Amazon Prime uh, for copyright reasons, I'm sure. Uh, but which is bogus, but uh, I will find that giant sombrero somehow, even if I take a picture off my computer from my phone. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's this like boat race and it's kind of boring, but 
all the time in the background, this tentacles music is just kind of like picking up and picking up and picking up and picking up. And And then like at the 10 minute mark, uh, boats just start getting fucking wiped out. This thing is killing everybody. Uh, It's going after the kids. They're screaming. And this music is just fucking pounding, man. It's coming at you hot, hard. It's fully erect. And it is just hitting you right in the dick. Um, and then you get some cool scenes where the squid comes up from the water and pulls the boat down and you're like, yeah, that's tentacles, man. Um, so that, that stuff is awesome. Uh, if it wasn't for the score, this movie wouldn't be very good. Uh, there's also this really weird side story about a guy who trains killer whales and like orca whales. And, and so like, it's, it's fucking crazy, Jared. He trains these whales and he has them at SeaWorld, which is like sad. That's why I was saying it was like blackfish. And then their solution at the end of this movie is they're like, we don't know how to fucking fight this thing. It's a giant squid. And the guy's like, I got two orcas and they're fully trained. Let me go take care of this. So this guy lets out the killer whales uh, and they fight the squid. Uh, Thankfully... Uh, well, they did use real whales, but uh, not in the fight scenes uh, because uh, I don't know how you could. Um, but they're like puppets. They're very clearly puppets. Mm-hmm. And they're going after like, I don't know, just like a normal squid mm-hmm. or something. They do tear that squid apart, though. So that's kind of shitty because I think squids and octopus are pretty smart. Um, but it was probably dead already. Maybe. Anyways, uh, tentacles isn't bad, man. It's got some. The score is really cool, and uh, some of the some of the tentacle stuff is pretty fun. Uh, but that giant sombrero, Jarrett. Whoa, man. Let me tell you. So, anyways, uh, that's probably enough for me. Okay. Hey, RJ. What? Were you aware that the composer of your tentacles, Stelvio mm-hmm. Cipriani? Mm-hmm. He also did the score for the movie I'm about to talk about. And in fact, he basically just took the score from the movie I watched and recycled it for Tentacles. What? Tentacles isn't even original? Well, it's the same. It's, the, it's original by the composer, but he just reused it because that's the okay. Italian way. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm doing the uh, the forefinger to the thumb uh, gesture mm-hmm. that you see on a pizza box right now. Hey. So the film I watched is a little number mm-hmm. called what have they done to your daughters? Oh, okay. Yeah. So this this movie, RJ, who baby, mm-hmm. I fucking love this movie. It is uh it's it's a horror movie in a sense that like it depicts more horrible things than I've seen mm-hmm. in like any of the horror movies I've watched this month. Mm-hmm. Um like it's like I'm the gore, <laughs> the gore in this movie is like be above and beyond like many many of the films we've watched but it's more like i'd say like okay you know how people talk about dario argento movies and they're always like about, about his giallo era like uh mm-hmm. bird and the crystal plumage it's like oh it's a horror movie but like is it really it's just because it's got a guy killing people i don't know you I, tell me is it i don't know like or like any of his like uh that trilogy of cat of nine tales and uh mm. stuff like that it's like suspiria yes that it's got supernatural elements, but like before he got into that stuff, he was doing these like giallos, and it's like they're kind of Italian murder mysteries. But mm-hmm. there's that weird line of like what's a giallo and what's a slasher, because it's like masked unknown killers going around just butchering people. So mm-hmm. that's what this movie's also about. Uh, but it's also kind of a hybrid of the uh, uh, p- 
Polizio Tecci, Tecci, whatever you the, want to call it. The, like, the a, what? A, basically, it's Italian police crime procedural action movies uh, okay. that were like a big, all the craze in the 70s. I talked about these more like about a year or so ago. I went on a bit of a kick. Okay. Uh, there's that really awesome movie, uh, Caliber 9, I think it was called. Mm-hmm. That was like, RJ, you got to watch this movie, and you never did. Because you disappoint uh. me all the time. and But this is, like, not a ghost dad situation. This is, like, RJ, you need to watch this movie. It's incredible. You'll love it. Um, mm-hmm. So this, though, man, this is, like, basically almost as good as that movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this, man, oh, man. Um, as I describe in my letterbox review, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, so this opens up with uh, this, like, gruesome, hanged 15-year-old girl who who's, like, it's kind of like a... A fake body that they are mm-hmm. using, just like it's like cause usually they have like, oh, here's the actress, but they have like such a bunch of all this harness stuff like, kind of buried in their long hair, so they can kind of hang there for a long period of time, and they have all these clothes to hide hide the harness of the mm-hmm. apparatus that they're doing to hang them. This is just like, oh no, she's naked and hanging there, and we're gonna <laughs> use a fake, we're gonna use a fake body, and you just see it, and you're just like, huh, that's like unsettling. Um, and then like later on you go with a scene where like, they're like opening up the back of a trunk of a car and there's a bunch of plastic bags and they just like pick one up and out falls out a severed head. Uh, there's a masked maniac, mm. a guy on a motorcycle with like all in black with a uh, motorcycle helmet. Who's traveling around with like, just like a butcher's cleaver fucking just mm-hmm. murdering people or gunning them down. Sometimes he don't give a shit. This, this killer. Um, there's a, there's a kill in a parking garage that like, you know, it's like, oh, this guy's going to get got, but then the like amazing blood geyser that comes out because it's like unexpected because it's shot very realistically. Mm -hmm. Um, like it just seems like, oh, it's a movie. Uh, and then you're like, Jesus. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, man, this thing just doesn't let up. Uh, and yeah, the one shot that like, I still can't believe I actually saw was um, mm-hmm. there's a bit in the morgue uh, where there is like you don't even there's no setup to it other than like oh they're moving the body parts of a person <laughs> that's been killed one of those parts though is the lower trunk waist of a person who's been completely chopped up and they like nice. they shoot the scene from like the ground up and like they're pulling the body from like from one cart to another and there's like oh there's this, there's the dick and it's just dangling. You're like, what the hell? Was it a good dick? It was a fine, uh, flaccid penis of a murdered uh, man. On a scale of like um, me to Castle Freak, where would it fit? <laughs> I'm thinking it's, it's kind of uh, heading towards the Castle Freak territory. Oh, okay, okay. But uh, yeah, man, I, I was kind of just like, uh, wow. And yeah, the score—it's that—it's the same score as you're talking about in Tentacles, which is indeed mm-hmm. awesome. Um, and yeah, this thing like is so well paced. It just the the story is is that uh, this like 15 year old girl died, and they're trying to figure out why did she die, and it unearths mm-hmm. this like uh, whole um, uh, like essentially like prostitution ring using high school girls and Shit. there's like a district assistant at district attorney a woman in the, the, <gasps> the, the in the corrupt italian uh, bureaucracy uh mm-hmm. who are just like all about covering their ass and making sure the powerful don't go down uh good old state corruption and violence left and right uh this this movie is awesome uh i this was out from uh arrow video i got it mm-hmm. like what a month or two ago and sometimes like i said before these movies uh 
they don't live up to the hype and you're just like you watch them and they're just fine at least that's my experience with a lot of giallos but this is like Mm -hmm. top shelf stuff man i uh was asked uh whether or not this was a legitimate good movie or a jarrett pick so where does this fall for you? This is it, legit. This is a legit like. Really, this is a like, legit. Yeah. Movie. As, as, as far as like you can go with like Italian exploitation movies though, like this mm-hmm. is like good. Like because uh, these movies are all kind of like coming out after French Connection, and mm-hmm. so they're all like trying to like one up themselves. Because like the next step from this though is something like New York Ripper, the uh, Lucio Fulci movie, and that oh. and, and that but that's just like kind of goes into like kind of like mm-hmm. Fulci territory. Like he's not as good a director uh, mm-hmm. as here who is, whose name I'm willing to double check on, uh, Mas- Massimo Dallamano. Uh, oh, so, I know Massimo. Uh, good, good, yeah, so he actually did direct uh, one horror film called The Night Child, which is actually one of the best um, kind of like Rosemary's Baby Exorcist type of movies that I've seen. Uh, mm-hmm. also came out from Arrow Video. And I also, actually, Code Red also put this out, and I do have a copy of this if you're at all interested. It's very good. Like I'm not. Okay. Uh, and actually, he's, he has a Dorian Gray movie uh, from 1970 that just got announced for coming out on Blu-ray. And mm-hmm. and he's got another uh, one of these, uh, I think it's like almost like the prelude, you could say, to What Have They Done to Your Daughters? And it's called mm-hmm. What Have You Done to Solange from 1972? Uh, another one of these sort of uh, giallo that- things. Beyonce's sister, Solange. I guess so. I don't know. What, I don't know what celebrities are. Oh, okay. Yeah. Keep going. That's it. That's all. Uh, this, uh, this, this guy's cool. I like. I like this dude's movies. Um, uh, yeah, man. Okay. Well, if you say that this is an actual good movie, actually I will good movie. Take your word for it a little bit. Okay. I'll. I'll. Thank you. A little bit. Okay. okay. Okay, uh, I got to follow up a, ba- a good one with a bad one. Uh, I watched this movie called Patchwork. Uh, mm-hmm. This is from that director of the guy who directed that movie Tragedy Girls that came out this year. Oh. So this guy, whose name mm-hmm. I'm also going to double check on, he's actually from Alberta. Uh, Tyler McIntyre. Yes. Mm-hmm. So he is uh, originally from northern Alberta, went to U of A. Uh, a friend of our show knows the guy. And uh, this guy's down in Los Angeles making those movies. Uh, and Patchwork, I guess, was like his first feature film. So this mm-hmm. is on Netflix. I thought I would check it out. And uh, the biggest problem with this, like pretty well all horror comedies, is it's comedy is subjective, and mm-hmm. you have to have the you have to be really really good at what you're doing to balance the comedy with the horror in the right way, so the tone kind of works. Mm-hmm. Um, Something like, you know, Shaun of the Dead does it really, really well. Mm-hmm. Um, I would argue that I say I don't even think Army of Darkness works that great as a horror comedy. And that's blasphemous, uh, yeah. but I don't know. Can I hit you with some hot takes? I don't think any of those Evil Deads are as good as people think they are. Mm, that Evil Dead 2 is really... Uh, evil Dead 2 is pretty cool. I, I think the, the uh, Evil Dead, the first, the original, I think mm-hmm. that movie is like super... Like, it's not a comedy. That, that is just like a grim fucking movie. I don't know, man. I, I think uh, I think tales of those movies are exaggerated. I don't know why they're so hot. It's like when people say Drag Me to Hell is the best horror movie ever made. No, that, that's you're wrong. Not, that's just not true. You're, oh, you're just wrong. Yeah, no, nah, nah, Dragon Me Hell is not good, folks. Uh, mm-hmm. So, but Patchwork, um, 
what's this thing about? Uh, it starts off with uh, a girl who she seems to be a busybody, uh, mm-hmm. a career girl on the way up, but she, you know she's kind of <laughs> like, like you, like leaving people by the wayside to live mm-hmm. a uh, upbeat life and meet people that'll help her socially climb. And then uh, she gets ditched at the bar by her friends. She goes home and she gets like killed. Mm-hmm. And the next thing she knows, she wakes up in a medical facility of some sort, and she's all messed up. In fact, she's been Frankensteined. She's been Frank- <gasps> Frankenhookered up. But there's a twist because she's a composite of two other women, and they now inhabit mm. the same mind space. So Kind of like Frankenstein created woman. Is that what happens there? <laughs> Well, remember, I was telling you in ghoul school, it's the woman's body, but the boyfriend's soul gets put into it. But, but, so it's but, like, but is there scenes of him like in like the room that they're in, but it's like in the mind? No. Okay. Uh, well, I don't know. No. She talks to him, kind of. So, I don't know. Okay. So, patchwork. Keep going. Um, yeah, it kind of goes from there where it's kind of going for that. Scott Pilgrim kind of vibe at times mm. that mm-hmm. like uh, put on a pop song while watching your like female monster get revenge like and suddenly she's like superhuman and like listening to her iPod like Baby Driver and mm. uh, things just happen. It's that kind of action and um, uh, yeah, I don't like Baby but, Driver, but, but it's just not very well made. Like. There's, it's you can see that the a lot of corners are being cut. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's definitely a little budget side. It's hard to overcome that maybe unless you're really really good. So I don't know. It's, I felt like this really underachieved. The story kind of goes nowhere. It's got like a pretty good twist to it that's like I wasn't quite expecting or thinking about other than thinking mm-hmm. that's a really bad wig. And then it actually turns into a plot beat. And you're like, oh, okay. Well, that doesn't really change much because the movie's still not that funny or good in any particular direction. Mm. So, again, that's, it's, it's a hard thing, the horror comedy. Though I would recommend for a contemporary Canadian horror comedy, Tucker and Dale versus Evil. If you've ever, uh, yeah, that's a pretty good show. Yeah, that that's one I do like. I think it actually landed that uh, mix of concept well, but while being yeah. actually kind of funny and charming, and also kind of a horror thing. I think my favorite horror co- comedy is uh, Martyrs. Oh, see, I thought you were about to say Ghost Dad. That laugh riot. Uh, I used to like Ghost Dad a lot, and then Bill Cosby raped all those women. Um, I mean, I, he did that while Ghost Dad was and, happening. And, but... and that is the horror. The real horror. Yeah. Are you go- So are you going to watch uh, Wolfman? Uh, I might. Nice. We'll, we'll, we'll see. So yeah, Patchwork, unfortunately, I'm just not, not a fan. Uh, mm-hmm. We'll see about that Tragedy Girls. I have a feeling that it might be the same experience. Um, Could be. But I did watch uh, this horror anthology that I felt, I feel like got kind mm-hmm. of buried by folks. And it's uh, Southbound. You, you might recognize this movie poster. It used to be on Netflix, I think, didn't it? I have no or... idea. I don't know if it okay, was or not. Keep going. So this came out 2015, 2014, mm-hmm. uh, and it's your typical kind of like horror anthology. You got your um, short stories by a bunch of up-and-coming directors doing their horror thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but So like the bookends are done by Radio Silence, who also did a story in one of the VHS movies. Um, mm-hmm. they're fond of their using their CGI 
uh, to make like good looking effects and monstery things. And they do that again here. In fact, uh, the monstery things that kind of uh, open this thing up are awesome. I fucking love mm-hmm. them. They are so neat looking. Uh, they don't look quite like everything else that exists. They like mm-hmm. it feels like. Guillermo del Toro would love to have these things in his movie <laughs> and then he'd ruin them. But uh, so, so this is just like a collection of short stories and they're all really told well. Uh, all the like camera work and editing and stories, mm-hmm. it, the stories themselves are like very like, oh yeah, I've seen that before and I can kind of guess where this is going before they get to it. So there's nothing like, whoa, this is like really blowing my mind here right now. But the execution is so solid uh, mm-hmm. that like I really appreciated that because sometimes with horror anthologies they're just not that well made or like the tone shifts so much uh, that is yep. jarring but in this though like you would really not necessarily realize that this was made by like five different people it's actually mm-hmm. like you know oh no this is it feels like it could be one director it could be five so uh, a kudos to that uh, the effects are neat it's very basic good old uh, horror times and it's like mm-hmm. there's, it's not too jokey uh, there's like the one story that's uh, done by David Bruckner that like mm-hmm. I, I laugh I laughed out loud at how gruesomely violent it gets at one moment um, mm-hmm. that I'll let people discover. Um, just involved. Did you say Jerry Bruckheimer? Uh, David Bruckner. Oh, yeah. I'm not as interested then. Sorry. You should be. I know. So it was okay. Yeah, I, I, I dug this. I'd say totally mm. if you if you're looking uh, out there for some. Uh, some anthology action, that, and you actually want to watch a good one, watch this. And yeah, uh, just re- so you remember, David Bruckner is the guy who directed The Ritual, which is also what prompted me to watch this Southbound. Really? Does he have any other cool movies? Uh, he also did a segment in the film The Signal, which I have you hmm. seen that or heard of that? The Signal? The Signal, yeah. It came out yeah. like. Yeah, isn't the poster similar? Uh, no, it's like, it's, it's about a guy and a girl. And like a virus, like a audio virus breaks out, creating zombies. It's uh, hmm. it was very much of its time in 2007, but it's actually also ex- fairly well done. Um, at least like the last time I watched well, it, is it, Lawrence Fishburne in that movie? In the Signal? No, yeah, no, not to my knowledge. Are you sure? Yeah, it's got uh some AJ Bowen guy. Mm. Yeah, but the Signal is actually quite uh, also worth checking out too. Okay. It also does the it does horror to like comedy to other things. It's also well done. Also anthology ish, with one overall story. Uh, mm-hmm. Last thing I'll talk about, I think, then is the similars, as demanded oh, by Oliver Granger, who mm-hmm. gave this movie two stars, but said he really wanted us to watch it for Creeptober. Uh, well, I took the hit. Um, and I was I, going to watch this. I then messaged RJ saying, <laughs> "You don't need to watch this. I, I got you covered. Mm-hmm. I got." Uh, so he can take up issues with you, he, he, or no? You you could have done well by him, but you didn't. So. Uh, I wasn't told not to watch this. Movie well, you were also by told my trusted you, co-host. Yeah, you were also told to do it. So who did you listen to? So it's not my fault. Uh, so let me tell you about the similars. Uh, mm. RJ, how do you feel what? about uh, poor film craft, non-artisanal film craft? Is it pretty flat? Is it flat? It is artisan, a less than artisan bread. Yeah, this is actually a pretty good showcase of bad filmmaking. Um, so what this mm. number is? So it's uh, movie came out three years ago. It's uh, mm-hmm. Mexican. Uh, this is on Netflix right now in Canada at mm-hmm. least. 
and uh, it's kind of like pseudo black and white, but it's it's super it's more like just desaturated with like kind of color boosts here and there. Mm-hmm. But like to my colorblind eyes, there's times where I'm like just like this looks black and white to me, I guess. But then you're like, oh wait, that's green, and wait, I think I, is that actually blue? And it kind of goes back and forth, and you have this idea that it's like getting more black and white as it goes. But I think it's just kind of like sloppily done. I don't know. Maybe I was missing something uh, in the process. But this mm-hmm. number, it's a throwback to Twilight Zone. It's a, a huge, like, big thing about, like, hey, have you ever watched an Alfred Hitchcock movie? <laughs> uh, like, have like, you? Uh, yeah, just for the last three weeks. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, and so this film, it's uh, about a bunch of people that find themselves Chill. trapped in a bus station waiting for mm-hmm. buses during a giant rainstorm and uh, cool. things start happening and they don't know what's going on um, mm-hmm. there's a guy who's like all bandaged up who starts accusing one of them of being a demon El Diablo and uh, mm-hmm. tries to gun him down but they're like they stop it saying he's nuts we gotta, we gotta tie him up what's this all about there's like a weird creepy kid who's got this like big like kind of milky vial thing attached to his neck and his mom has to make sure he keeps getting injections um, there's a lot of hysteria, a lot of hysteria, crazy like shouty little like um, Mexican Indian women and stuff like that, being all very like mm. mysterious and suggesting something's gone wrong. Um, and then spoilers for people. Okay. Okay. Am I ready for this? I think you might be. So the most okay. inter- the most interesting thing about this film, and like the only reason I think that uh, Oliver recommended it to it, is because it's like what makes it so odd. What's mm-hmm. the, what this movie's about is that something is causing everyone to turn into the same guy man or woman they all start like so they all start having to wear like these this dude's face like in a mask and he's like he's a big shaggy haired man with a big thick beard and so like there's like this Mm -hmm. little old lady who now has to wear this mask and there's like another person who's like halfway transforming and this other person so you have all these people over and over again who are wearing these masks and there's people who are like halfway transformed and it's Mm. like this this is like like, it's a novel kind of idea and then there's the added extra spoiler twist that like oh the little kid yeah he's kind of like the thing that like Bart Simpson was in that Twilight Zone uh, Treehouse of Horror where he like is God Mm -hmm. and he can like change the things with his mind and uh, what happened was he read a comic book that has this exact same idea of a rain that comes by these these alien invaders that causes people to just transform so they all wind up turning into like the same person but the but the but the twist aliens a little, little late, but it's like not really aliens. It's like okay. a kid who read a story about aliens who's like now made the world change. And what happens is makes everyone start changing into this bearded guy. And, uh, mm-hmm. but what happens is the, the twist twist is that everyone will just like eventually get used to it and they won't even notice that they've transformed and only the one kid mm-hmm. will, only the kid will know, but and he's everywhere he goes, he's going to spread this and people will be like horrified at first, but then they're just like, Oh, Hey, you'd look different. Cause you're not me. And then they, you can, so <laughs> everything will go back to normal. That sounds like a good show. It's just so poorly made though. That's the thing. Like, Uh-oh. it's like there's scenes that are so poorly like drug out and paste, uh, because mm-hmm. they decide like, okay, there's eight people in a room. And there's two characters who are like interacting with one another angrily, violently. They've got there's a gun involved, but this 
the filmmaker and editing decide, hey, let's like make sure we shoot every single person reacting to every single exchange. So it's really mm-hmm. badly paced because you're like, who who cares that they're on the floor? Like nothing about them has changed in like the, the two, five, ten seconds they've been there. They're just, oh, we got to remind the audience that they're still sitting there. And it's just so weird because you're just like, your job isn't to like walk people through this stuff and like just in case you're like, oh, I'm wondering what they're doing right now. It's like, no, who cares? <laughs> Um, it, it definitely has this, like, uh, the mist vibe cause it's like people trapped oh. during like some sort of event and they're all like getting at each other's throats and stuff like that. But it doesn't like do the job that like a, a Frank Darabont you might uh, do where like he dr- makes mm-hmm. characters that you kind of are rooting for or care about that you want to see survive. They're just like types and people just saying lines and like it's, the movie seems to be very afraid of close-ups so everything's kind of shot in this like medium shot which i guess could also be a hitchcock thing where it's like well he shot everything in 50 millimeters so i'm going to do that too except for those money moments where we're going to like close up and pull away from a person's face reacting at the same time um and like then they do things where it's like they, there's music that's exactly right out of psycho and there's like the stabbing hand motion with blood in a bathroom and stuff like that it just like I don't know. After watching it, like I felt totally indifferent watching it, and I did laugh like when they did the reveal of like the faces thing because it's ridiculous. But then they go a little <sighs> overboard. So what happens is like mm-hmm. there's the, the one guy who like run who works at the station who's like a big old per flipping through his like girly mags. All the girl faces in the magazines have transformed into a bearded guy, and like but they have to spend way too much time showing you each and every single photograph of. A person transformed. Oh, it's like, like it goes way overboard. They flip up two pages, and you're like, "I got the idea," and then they keep going, and then they keep going. But there's like, yeah, there's like, oh, instead of just showing two, they show nine. Yeah. No. Were they hot, uh, girly dudes with the the man face? Whoa, Skype is not liking you at all right now. Well, I, I well, Blum, Blumhouse did not like how we were talking shit about <laughs> Skype there and uh, shut us down. So here we are again. So yeah, the similars. I, uh, thanks, Oliver. Uh, well, I'll still watch it if he wants me to, but not this God year, damn maybe it. next year. It just got worse again. What? It was good for like... What? Five, yeah, it was good for like five seconds. Wait. I don't think I even did anything. No, it's, I'm not no, even moving. No, it's Skype, man. Okay, let's send this bad boy God home. damn it. Hey, RJ, you got, okay. any, you got any news for us? Oh, I got some news for you, pal. Check this out. John Carpenter talks potential sequels, reboots of his films. Quote, I'm up for almost anything that involves money. End quote. So, uh, Vintage John. Vintage John. Uh, I, for one, embrace the new John Carpenter who sells out everything that he's owned. He, he don't give a shit. He just wants to play video games. Yeah, I thought that was so funny. He's like, would you direct movies? Maybe. But I just... Uh, I care more about playing video games and watching NBA. Yeah, yeah, he's a big uh, basketball fan. He's got an awesome mustache, eh? Mm, it's it's definitely a mustache. I mean, it's not like it's not like a like a famous mustache. I just mean I'm I like that he's had a mustache for like sixty years. No, it's a good look. Well, um, Criterion announced their January twenty nineteen releases. Did they? They sure did. And, uh, you know, if Skype cooperates, I'd like to read the title of this film, tell you the director, and you tell me what you think this movie's about. Okay. Mikey and Nikki, directed by Elaine May. Uh, 
Mikey and Mickey? What year did it come out? Uh, like 1970-something. So Is it about it... transgendered people? No. Oh, okay. Well, what's it about? <laughs> you're supposed to tell me what you think it's about. I what, just did. What... Well, I thought it was about a sex change. No, you're <laughs> you're supposed to tell me what the movie's about. Instead Mikey of guessing, and Mickey? yeah, you don't have to guess what it is. You just tell me what you think this. Tell me what the movie's going to be about. That's what I. That's what I think it's about. It's a guy oh, named yeah. Mikey who changes his uh, into a woman named Mickey. Okay. What's 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 the complication here? Okay. Well, it's uh, it's got Columbo. It's got oh, okay. Peter Falk. It's uh, I believe some John Cassavetes too. And it's a Ooh. it's an old uh, it's a '70s movie directed by Elaine May. This um, female director who came up uh, in this era making these kind of odd little movies like A New Leaf with uh, Walter Mouthau and stuff like that. Mm. Um, this movie is pretty well regarded uh, as far as like a, one of those classic kind of like new wave '70s films being made in America. Mm-hmm. And uh, I tr- started watching a copy I acquired, and but I only got like five minutes in because I was not in the mood for this type of like slow '70s type of action. But it's really cool. This is coming out on Blu-ray from Criterion. Uh, mm. Next up, we got In the Heat of the Night, directed by Canadian Norman Jewison. Oh, Sydney Poitier. Yeah. Mr. Tibbs. Uh, my uh, junior high teacher showed us that when we were in like grade seven. Well, I think some of the uh, the racial issues were lost on uh, the 12-year-olds who uh, didn't care about a movie that was made 60 years ago. And like, had no, like, we're like, what? Why would you be mean to a black person? <laughs> we're, 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 we're just saying... like, we don't have any here. What do you even, yeah. what, what, what's going on? Yeah, pretty, yeah, that was very true in that period of time. It's like, what? <laughs> Uh, 24 Frames, directed by Abbas Kiarostami. Directed by who? Uh, Abbas Kiarostami, director of uh, Taste of Cherry. Oh, I like Taste of Cherry. Uh, 24 Frames, sounds like it's about filmmaking. Oh, I'd rather side-by-side that Keanu Reeves documentary. We also got Four Months, Three Weeks, and Two Days, directed by (gasps) Kristen Mungoy. Is that not a Hungarian uh, delicacy? It is, and uh, the delicacy mm. on on offer, abortion. Mm, delicious. Actually, do you want to tell is your Hungarian uh, or, or Romanian, or are they the same? Uh it's complicated uh, okay. because of because of World War One and World War Two. Like borderlines changed a lot. Uh, mm. I actually know quite a bit about this. If anyone is interested, I'll I'll email you. But you could also just look it up on Wikipedia. Yeah. Long story short. Parts of Romania used to be Hungary, but now they're Romania as an independent state. Okay. So, do you want to tell your Hungarian uh, salami story from uh, the weekend? Oh, (laughs) this is the perfect time to tell that. So, the other day, Mm -hmm. I was at the deli counter, and Mm -hmm. this this, this girl, she was uh, ordering some Hungarian salami. And (laughs) I heard this, and I just went... And I uh, hopped on my iPod and uh, messaged RJ say, hey, this girl here, she is uh, ordering some Hungarian salami. I turned and told her uh, that you were at home. And and then she said she was calling the police. And then I then messaged you, oh, now her boyfriend's asking or saying, or do we have a problem here uh, as boyfriends, mm-hmm. like as, as they're wont to do. And yep. uh, that was a good uh, Facebook messenger exchange we had there. Yep, it was a lot of fun for uh, us being in the know and uh, having the context of the situation. But also, uh, I actually just got back from getting groceries, and uh, I got like 350 grams of salami. Andrea said it was too much, but you know what? It's three, four days now, and guess what, Jer? 
we're, it's already gone. We <laughs> ate it all, man. We ate it all. So uh, I know how much uh, meat we need, okay? You got to get up to the 400 club, my friend. Yeah, four, well, we – so here's the thing. We got 300 grams of turkey, and we got 350 of salami. Oh, shit. 650. Yeah. So that's why she was – because we got the turkey first, and then I was like, I'm going to get some salami too. And she's like, all right. And I was like, uh, can I get uh, 350? And she's like, holy shit. <laughs> and uh, even the deli lady was like – she sliced two, and she's like, did you say 350? I was like, yeah baby mm-hmm. uh but uh i made a point uh, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good i got my chest or my chest puffed the mm-hmm. last couple days because the salami has been eaten and i was right w- weren't you just talking about having stomach problems after eating some bad filet <laughs> uh maybe, yeah that's freezer maybe, fish though yeah, maybe, yeah on top of the uh the gut full of uh, fucking meats I just sling that stuff in straight too. like i'll go by walk by the <laughs> fridge and just take a huge pull off of that salami like it's good stuff. The last film coming out in January of 2019, we just literally talked about last week. Notorious. Hitchcock. What? Is it Blu-ray? Yeah. I am surprised that they're not, they don't package it up as a three-year. No, they, I guess they don't do that. One day they'll do Spellbound and then they'll do the three-year. And then they'll do, well, I guess one day they would probably just like to do the Hitchcock uh, select series like they did with uh, Kurosawa and Bergman. Yeah, they'll have to wait till his next hundredth birthday, I guess. Mm-hmm. Well, that's coming up soon. They already did. Here he did. He, he's a century baby. Oh, so wait. They don't have a box set of Hitch, do they? No, but he already turned a hundred. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, they'll find another one. Maybe uh, twenty-five. They're planning because so they got like a secret agent and saboteur and a couple other things that they've or sabotage. They're all mm-hmm. like on iTunes. You can watch them in HD. So yeah, I mean, it's a matter of time. Just hold your horses, folks. It's always mm-hmm. they're they're always going to come out again. I'm sure. Sure. But uh, enough of all that bullshit. Uh, mm-hmm. We got a movie to talk about. Mm-hmm. After the break, we're going to have a really sad, embarrassing sword fight off in a grove. Uh, this sounds like the kind of sword fight where uh, neither men are wearing pants. Sad and embarrassing. The best kind. Mm, For you. The old man turned off the radio, said, where did all of the old songs go? Kids sure play funny music these days. They play it in the strangest way. Said it looks to me like they've all gone wild. It was peaceful back when I was a child. Well, man, could it be that the girls and boys are trying to be heard above your noise? And the lonely voice of you cries, what is true? A little boy of three sitting on the floor looks up and says, Daddy, what is war? Son, that's when people fight and die. A little boy of three says, Daddy, why? Young man of 17 in Sunday school being taught the golden は
And we're back. This is the Criterion Creeps podcast, and tonight we're talking about Rashomon from 1950, directed by that guy, Akira Kurosawa. You all know him. The tagline from the film, the husband, the wife, or the bandit. And the synopsis of the film from Letterboxd, brimming with action while incisively examining the nature of truth, Rashomon is perhaps the finest film ever to investigate the philosophy of justice. Through an Hmm. ingenious use of camera and flashbacks, Kurosawa reveals the complexities of human nature as four people recount different versions of the story of a man's murder and the rape of his wife. So RJ, and uh, Mm -hmm. maybe even new listeners of the podcast here, coming from Reddit, hi. Uh, This here, this Rashomon, this is like the one of the big enchiladas of the Criterion Collection, I would say. Oh, it's the whole enchilada, baby. Yeah, this is like, you know, uh, I mean, even in like Kurosawa's uh, oeuvre, uh, it's basically second only to Seven Samurai, which Mm -hmm. I guess is like, that's the whole ball game of uh, the Criterion Collection, I'd say, mm-hmm. for many. Uh, if probably anyone owns a Criterion, I'd say Seven Samurai is probably amongst them, it seems. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a go-to. It's a staple. And Rashomon is just somewhere behind it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think only because it's not specifically a samurai movie that it, maybe it, it's behind there. But it's probably, like, compared to everything else, too, I think it's his most critically celebrated and with good mm-hmm. reason. 
Um, this is the sixth film of Kurosawa's in the collection so far uh, in our creep after Seven Samurai, High and Low, uh, Yojimbo Sanjuro, Hidden Fortress. I think that's it, mm-hmm. right? Um, yes. Uh, so, Rashomon. This movie's pretty <laughs> dope, right? I mean... <laughs> uh, yeah. Rashomon's pretty good, man. Yeah. Okay. Pretty real good. But uh, So I'm just playing my hand there. RJ is admitting it. He's, he's on the right page of history here. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not always... I'm not always, and I get a lot of grief for it. There's but, uh, not a lot. It's it's one of those movies that belongs to like a small list, I'd say, where its title mm-hmm. is like synonymous with like kind of creating an entire like subgenre of film. Uh, well, like that people would refer to, oh, it's like a Rashomon. <laughs> like it's, well, it, it's yeah. like a cultural thing, right? Like the Rashomon effect, and like even I was gonna say the first time I heard about this was in Simpsons, and I didn't even know what it meant. But, like, they're talking about Rashomon, and Homer's just like, I don't remember it like that. Ah. And I was like, ah, funny joke. And I was like, I don't know what that means, but okay. That's a but, that's a, that's a Harvard joke right there. There you go. Yeah. But, like, that's kind of like what you're saying. It was it was bigger than just a movie. It uh, it did that, uh, that gold standard where it was, like, breaking through into pop culture almost, getting referenced in The uh, Simpsons and things of this such. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like uh, The Shining or something. Sure, sure. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's another echelon. I mean, there's movies like, remember Basic starring John Travolta? I do remember that movie. Yeah. Yeah, what about it? Uh, yeah, it, it does that. Uh, or say Rules of Engagement, the, mm. the, the monstrous William Friedkin film. <laughs> oh. Yeah, there's like, so, okay. The funny thing about Rashomon that kind mm-hmm. of... Um, gets i don't know it doesn't get talked about at least in anything i've encountered specifically it's a courtroom drama kind of hell yeah like a a full maybe not full third but a third of the action is uh a flashback to a courtroom scene that's out in a courtyard um and it's like actually a really kind of beautifully iconic scene in itself where it's just like these people kind of uh talking to a voiceless uh jury or judge uh counsel And, you're, and it's the audience that are asking questions that we can't hear. They're just kind of like mm-hmm. in our mind. And then the person's like, what's that? It's almost like they're at a Q&A and they're like asking the question out loud so the listeners at home can hear it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, it's like interesting because like people sometimes take a big shit on the courtroom drama. And Rashomon is essentially that. Um, and there's like other films like, uh, like they're kind of in the same ballpark of like kind of like their courtroom dramas. But they're like the flip side of it. Like something like, say, 12 Angry Men. Which is also like, it's like the inverse of that. And it's also kind of the same idea of like good people or people trying to be good and trying to do certain things, but they're also uh, inevitably selfish and Mm -hmm. trying to guide people through those sort of things. That movie kind of came to my mind a few times, that 12 Angry Man watching Rashomon, because I'm uh, fond of both of them. Mm -hmm. So what's this movie all about? Um, It's interesting that, Every time I read about this movie, it, it changes. Like when people refer to it, saying that it's about it's three stories of, that are told, telling the mm-hmm. same thing. And in fact, it's more than that, right? There's like, yeah, three, I think four, I... five, six, six versions of the same story or mm-hmm. event, kind of told. Um, for initially, we get the woodcutter who tells mm-hmm. what he initially claims to be what he saw, which was uh, footage of him 
uh, walking mm-hmm. through the woods, very, be- very uh, beautiful, sh- uh, beautifully shot woods, and uh, he comes across mm-hmm. uh, some evidence of something happening, some women's mm-hmm. clothing and whatnot, and then he finds a dead body with some hands coming out of a bush. The zombie hands. Yep. It's so cool. Yep. Yeah. And then we get a uh, uh, the, the next testimony we get is a dude. Uh, who kidnapped, or not kidnapped, he uh, stumbled upon and arrested uh, citizen style. Uh, mm-hmm. Dirty Mafune, as, I will, uh, uh, as I'll call him. <laughs> old Toshiro himself. Yeah, Toshiro. yeah, I noticed he's pretty dirty. He's always like scratching his neck yeah. and crouching. And it uh, it's always in the roles where he's like, these bandits are scoundrels. And I love it because mm-hmm. he's so fun. And it's like, you would be scratchy because you'd be dirty and stinky. Yeah, you got all those lices and stuff. All those bugs. Yeah. Yeah. So we get that version. You don't even get that version. You get the what happened, what this guy says. He seems to be very mm-hmm. proud of the fact uh, that he's, like, caught this guy. He feels good about himself. Probably get a little bit of that reward money, getting this, this bandit piece of shit off the streets. You know, mm-hmm. getting him hung, whatever happens to him. Which, does the film actually ever say what happens to him in this film? Mm-hmm. No, you're not given any like. Yeah, um, see, again, it's an interesting thing because I wasn't mm-hmm. even thinking about that until I was writing my notes, and I was like, "What happens to him?" And it's not important. <laughs> yeah, well, there's there's no resolution to him or the wife, right? Like you're not seeing the verdicts of what they are because ultimately it doesn't matter as much. It's more about how the story resonates with the other people, right? Like the people who heard it, because I think that's what the ending is about. But I'm getting ahead of myself here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you keep going. So then is it next then that we get the bandit story, uh, Tajumaru, um, or do we get the wife? One way or another. Uh, it goes It goes bandit, wife, okay. uh, then, then samurai. The ghost story. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, we got a Mifune story. And uh, we get him laying out things. And, uh, I mean, again, we don't know where this movie's going the first time you're watching it. This is probably my third or fourth, at least third or fourth time, maybe fifth time watching this movie. Uh, I think probably, it might actually be the first time I've watched it on Blu-ray, though. Um, And, yeah, you get the depiction of him being the reckless maniac who gets the best of a samurai, gets the lady. And uh, he was totally in control of the situation the whole time because he's crazy. Mm -hmm. He doesn't give a shit. Um, And we get, like, the layout of that. And then we get uh, the wife story Mm -hmm. uh, where she, of course, paints Masako, paints herself uh, as uh, hapless in all these events and, like... Mm -hmm. Doing what is required uh, from a hapless victim stance, and how how she wound up in the position that she's in now. Complicit, complicit, but at the same time, uh, out of things were out of hand. But like, there's a certain amount of guilt and shame involved. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we get the ghost story of the the dead husband samurai. Uh, yeah. Of a uh, Takshiro, and he uh, he lays it out via a medium. In some real mm-hmm. uh, creeptober spookiness, um, through a growly, spooky voice that's done over top, and uh, we get to find out that everyone's kind of like full of shit, and uh, yeah, and of course you're now left with uh, these questions because the whole framing device of this uh, kind of anthology almost of uh, we have this Buddhist monk who's kind mm-hmm. of like in this root in this like half burnt out temple called Rashomon. Uh, kind of like reflecting on this entire courtroom drama that's like happened recently that he's like kind of watched over uh, along with the woodsman 
just to see how the story transpires and the fact that like everyone's full of crap and everything's mm-hmm. horrible. Uh, this temple's like half destroyed, but it's half still usable, half salvageable. I don't know if it's kind of like an, a heavy handed uh, yin and yang uh, light and dark sort of thing. Uh, it's, I, I don't. I don't think it comes off too. Like, no, it's not at all. I, I, not at all. It, it, in fact, yeah. it's like it's just like this beautiful iconic shot. Uh, but I mean, you could uh, pull something out of it, I suppose, if you wanted to go down that road. Um, and then what happens is we. This is all kind of being told back to, I guess, who I refer to here as the the common man. Uh, mm-hmm. This like shirtless dude who just wants to get out of the rain, and he doesn't give a shit about anything and he and he mm-hmm. ke- he keeps it real he is a uh he is uh-huh. he, he is <laughs> he is democracy at work he just like strips it down he's a straight shooter mm. that guy's so awesome like he he talks so plain where he's just like i don't give a shit and it's like yeah but it's so horrible and he's like so who cares yeah like uh, <laughs> and he yeah, he's always laughing and they're like a man was murdered and he's like just one so what He's like, one death doesn't really matter. He's like, look at all these disasters. Look at all these horrible things. He's like, what is one man? Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, shit. This guy's talking some hard yeah. truth here. Yeah, do as you're going to do, baby. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, then this all kind of doubles back because he is the one who calls the woodsman out because he's like, well, what, hap- what happened to that nice uh, blade that was like with the pearl handle? What <laughs> happened to that, buddy? Old mm-hmm. woods cutter, woodsman, if that's your real name. And then we get the uh, the remastered cut of uh, events. The the woodsman tells all as he saw it all, as he just watched on. And uh, The you woodsman? Re- the woodsman. All I can think of is that Kevin Bacon movie <laughs> when you say that. Yeah. Keep, keep going. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, then you find out everyone's garbage uh everyone and everything they're all cowardly and like i love the like kind of at the escalation of the sword fight that we see earlier on where it's like the, the in the samurai story it's like he was put upon and like he wouldn't even get he didn't even get killed he killed himself because he's just mm-hmm. like he's that committed and mifune is just like this expert like bandit who like killed the samurai beat him fair and square and then you find out from at least the, at least one perspective, they just were like exactly what you'd expect in like reality and not like in a maybe a Kurosawa samurai movie. It was just mm-hmm. like guys desperately flailing around in the dirt. Like, <laughs> yeah, like, they, like they're like completely clueless because in combat, it's like realistically, this is actually mm-hmm. what would probably happen. It would be like so frightening. The fact that like any second you're going to die, maybe unless you can get mm-hmm. the best of the other guy. It's a horrible thing. Um and then, I mean, also you have this whole thing of this backdrop of this is also like a movie about like a, a rape. And, oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like yeah, not- it really gets brushed aside, though. It's like, uh, let's not talk about the rape. Let's talk about what happened after the rape. Yeah. Okay. Well, because there's like various degrees of like uh, it was a against her will but then she got into it and then then she did it to save her husband and another time where she Mm -hmm. she like she she kind of like was against it but then she kind of got into it and like the the eyes of her husband just judging her and making her feel Mm -hmm. even more horrible like you know all these different perspectives of these things Mm -hmm. um but yeah uh i will say that there is the 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 japanese attitude toward women and raping this that uh it seems consistent with a, a lot of uh, Japanese attitudes toward rape uh, in their anime films. Their uh, their crazy things, and like just sure. like in some things where it's sure. like J- Japan never really had their uh, feminist revolution, and this movie was before that would have happened in 1950. But there's definitely some like 
I could see someone being a bit put off and uncomfortable by it. Mm-hmm. Um, be, despite it being kind of like, this is like a beautiful rendering of this story. It's so well shot. Uh, I mean, there's like a ton written about like, just like the, all the technical experimentation that was going on with like going back mm-hmm. between these figures in that grove. Um, but yeah. And then you get to the ending of this movie, which I think is like super powerful for me. Uh, I love the ending yeah. of this. I love the payoff of it. It's mm-hmm. uh, elegant uh, and like really, it's just the the fight goes on. And uh, yeah, you might be garbage, but be better. Be better. Yeah, that seems yeah. to kind of be. That's all you can be. That's all you can try to be. But uh, mm-hmm. hey, RJ, I've I've talked mm. for a bit here. What what did you think of this Rashomon? Uh, Rashomon. Uh, well, as I teased a little bit, uh, I'm big into this movie, Jared. Uh, this is one that, uh, I won't be on the wrong side of history for, as you stated. Uh, I'm big time Rachel man, Rachel man. That's, that'll be my moniker for a while. Rachel man. Um, I love this movie. I think it's super good. Uh, this is one that I actually own and I've seen before such a rare thing in, uh, this criterion creeps, uh, project that we've started this pygmalion project with me and my education in uh into film we just have uh, to so, work on that accent no it's uh it's part of the charm it's uh the foobar thing um that's what andrew was saying uh like when we were in the states a while ago she's like you went full foobar for like an entire night like out of nowhere just calling everyone bud and talking about going out for a rip just going out for a rip a bud it's like, I don't know where it came from. I don't think I talk like that normally. doesn't matter. Here nor there. Rashomon. Uh, Rashomon. Uh, I think this movie is wicked good. Uh, I am always usually on the side of our boy Akira Kurosawa. Uh, you usually, you're a little bit of a, um, a fence sitter, I think, with him on some of them. Uh, you, you, you like him, right? But yeah, I like just, him, but I find that I'm not a f- much a fan of his samurai stuff. I like High right, and Low so is awesome. Is. Rashomon's yep. awesome. Seven Samurai, I think is like good. Like it's good, right? But I don't, I don't think mm-hmm. it's the like all time classic that everyone else does. I, and I'm, I yep. know I'm definitely a, a minority view on that one, but yep. Which it's funny, you never get shit on for that. Uh, but anyways, uh, yeah, I'm glad that you like Rashomon also. So what I was saying before is I like it for a lot of the same reasons that you do. There's certain elements built into the structure of the movie that uh, I love. Like I talk about all the time uh, nonlinear storytelling, that artisan film craft there, uh, that technique that they use. And I think I think it's at play in this movie a lot where this is where it's like the story within the story within another story that, uh, I really, I really love. It's the same reason why I like, um, certain horror anthologies where it's like people telling stories, but the connective tissue, like the backdrop story is also this part of a bigger story. It's neat. I like when, when you do that thing and you kind of connect it better or connect it a little bit more. And I think Rashomon is, I don't know. It's one of the first examples I can think of uh, for doing that. Um, and they do it really well, too. Like what you were saying with uh, um, the actual like court scenes, uh, you never see the judges or anything like that. And I think it's so effective in giving the audience like an interactive part of the movie almost. Uh, it works for engagement. Like it really kind of pulls you in because it's a little bit different um, than things are usually. And it's not like 
shitty fourth wall breaking where it's like a wink at you like through the camera it's like huh uh it's not anything like that um but yeah so i i really like the structure uh of this movie i also think that this thing uh lays down some heavy themes and big grand ideas um in really subtle ways but they talk they they present them in subtle ways but there's a real complexity to the things that they're kind of talking about. Uh, so one thing I love is when you look at all of these stories from the different ones, they're all kind of representative of this different thing. Like with the bandit, he's kind of about power and uh, pride almost, like power, honor, because he's building himself up as this big thing. But he was also really honorable at the end and he was like we'll have a duel because i respect you like power and respect you have the woman who is in this like unfortunate situation of shame and pride at the same time they all have pride in theirs i guess Mm -hmm. but she has this shame and uh like this thing where it's like what do you do then when she's in such a raw situation where it's like well i'm with my husband but this guy raped me and now my husband doesn't want me and neither does this guy. And what do I do now? So you have like her story and then you have the husband's too, which is like pride and cowardice at the same time a little bit. Um, so I like how they each kind of represent this different thing. And then they use those bigger ideas to kind of tell smaller um, or to dig in, like um, explore some smaller ideas a little bit like selfishness uh, good deeds, um, inevitability, faith, sin, uh, evil, and then like ultimately, uh, subjective truth and perspective, which is what this movie is all about, right? Like which truth is the real one? Um, and it's all about a matter of perspective and, uh, it's all subjective to these people. But But does it ask who are the real cannibals? Who are, are we the real monsters? Uh, in a way, I guess, but uh, not in a, well, a real I, shitty I think, dumb way. Yeah, I think it explicit. I mean, this movie's like dreary and depressing, which is kind of a refreshing because I mean, it has like I mean, the ending is like kind of like the the redemption, I guess, or kind of like the big thing of like the the big ray of hope uh, because mm-hmm. the movie begins with like that. I don't know. As soon as I saw the temple stuff, the rain, I'm like, oh right, I remember like so much of this movie already. Like, because like it's been a while since I'd seen it, but just like seeing that, I'm like, right, this movie. This movie's got so much good going for it. Yeah. Well, but, that's what I mean. Yeah. Sorry, we, did you have more? No, uh, yeah, I was just saying, like, yeah, the uh, the way it kind of has these themes. I mean, you, mm-hmm. yeah, it's debatable whether or not they're. I don't know if I'd say they're necessarily subtle. I mean, the, the all the some doc, of them all are. the all the conversations between like the the priest, the 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 woodsman, and the the common man, the commoner. Um, mm-hmm. Like they're all like, I mean, they're all very they're, they're big philosophical. Direct debates uh going mm-hmm. on but and because uh the one thing i forgot to mention with this movie too is like it is so qu- like quotable like in the like way that you mm-hmm. screen cap uh images with the subtitles underneath them which is a great thing about watching these things with english subtitles and not being a native speaker um mm-hmm. is you get to like get all these like great juxtapositions of lines of dialogue with these people's faces and you're just like oh that's so good <laughs> so yep. uh i guess like you can drop those anywhere and they're great to look at yeah, it does have great stuff like that too, and I think this is a good, a good show on uh, like the Criterion or whoever whoever did the original work on like the subtitle stuff because there's sometimes with the subtitles it's well you'll read it and you're like I don't know if that's what they meant 
Like there's that there's that disconnect between the actual language and uh, when there's like certain words that can't be translated or represented in a different language. This one's really good where everything that they say, you're just like, fuck, like, that's some serious shit right there. And it, it makes sense in English too. Uh, but yeah, it's like, I, I know what you mean. It's not like this subtle thing. Well, especially or, like when like, there's those scenes like where the uh, the priest is saying, this is the most horrible thing I've seen like yeah. plagues yeah. No. and famine and death, but this is the one that really did me in. I'm kind of like, is is this the worst one? Like, cause I mean, whatever it's not, it's, this is like picky, but I'm like, eh, this, is, this is like pretty common probably for the era. Like there's yep. this sort of uh, idea. And like the fact that like, I mean, if you were like raised in a monastery and like cut off from the world and lost in your own self exploration and stuff like that. And then you're like, God, how can I even trust my own mind? If I like, I never thought about the fact that people lie. And it's like, it's very, it's kind of on the naive side a little bit. It is. It is. Yeah. Um, it's a, I think the, the reason I'm okay with that is because yeah. I think it's, I think they do it in a way where they don't present it as like that you are naive and that you are dumb. And mm-hmm. it's, which I think is a little bit of a difference where there's a lot of movies that you watch and it's like, no, you're a dumb, dumb. Let me lay this out for you. Right. And I don't think they do it as much that way, but yeah, yeah I know. I, I, I see what you mean. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I do really like the, the common guy that they tell the story to because he's like this, he's like this, uh, realist. he's a realist, but he's like, you know, those, what are those things that you ding and they, uh, they like vibrate. Do you like, know what I mean? Like a gong? something rod. No, one of those rods. <laughs> I, what tuning I was trying fork? to say, yeah, he, yeah, he's like a tuning fork. That doesn't even fucking make sense. What am I talking about? He's like, <laughs> He's like this representation of the culture as a whole and like of people. And he's just like where everything they say, they're like, oh, this was so bad. And he's like, yeah, it's bad everywhere. It's like, what do you want? It's like, everything sucks. Everybody is bad. All things are shit. Yeah. He's like the justification of everything. Like everything can be justified. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Like he's got a rationale for everything. He's like, yeah, of course those things happen because of this. And of course that because of this. So why? Who gives a shit? He's like, I'm gonna steal this baby's kimono, whatever. But uh, that's what I was, I mean, to is I think they set that up really well, and I think the ending is so effective because of that, where you have you have a guy like that, and then you have the the woodsman Kevin Bacon, and he's like in this situation where he's broken down by this thing, but even in in such a dire thing, he's like, you know what? just take this baby i'm just gonna run with it i've got six kids already what's another one he's like my life is already a little bit uh tough no big deal um i'll try is that guy in seven samurai the woodsman oh yeah yeah that's is he one of the main sams yeah he's like i think he's um a kiru uh, that's what he I. Is, he's like the oh, face. He's, he's okay. yeah, yeah. He's like in all the Kurosawa stuff. He's like one of his same uh, as Toshiro Mifune. Yep. Yeah, that's what I thought, but I was like, I was like, I can't remember. He's got a wicked ass hat though. It's got like that little pony dumpling thing on top. Uh, I like that a lot. Um, but yeah, so I think Rashomon is great because of those two big things. Really, like the structure of the movie, I think is uh, so well done, and then. I, I do like the exploration of certain themes, even if sometimes they're a little heavy handed when he's like a bandit calling another bandit. It's like, 
it's like that Spider-Man meme where it's two Spider-Mans pointing at each other. And it's like, no, you. It's like that kind of thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. But uh, I think that those are the reasons why it's great. But there's a lot of other stuff that I really like about this movie as well. Uh, one thing that I love, and uh, so Andy watched this with me last night, and I wasn't mm. sure how how it was going to go. Uh, she didn't want to watch it. I was like, I got to watch the Criterion tonight. And uh, she's like, oh, uh, what is it? I was like, it's a Japanese movie. And she's like, uh, and she's like, mm. and I was like, from the 50s. She's like, uh. so I don't want to watch that. I was like, no, it's really good. I promise. So she watched and I wasn't sure how uh, the ghost would have played with her because I was like, that might lose her on this. Um, but she was on board with it. And uh, I think that shows one of the things that I think they do really well in this movie is they play it so straight and it's just like Japanese, like J horror stuff. They play the concept so straight that it's believable. I think because they present the sh- like the shaman or a medium that like, uh, takes in the voice of the dead man. And it's not really questioned. It's just kind of like accepted. It's like, yeah, it's like, we all believe it that it happened. So I think that is so effective because it makes it kind of genuine where you're like, yeah, this is, it's like they believe it, so why shouldn't we? No. Let's just trust it. Let's just trust this medium woman. I also really like the effect where it's like his voice coming out of her. Yep. I was like, yeah. I love that ghost shit. <laughs> I love that ghost shit, Jarrett. That's uh, my review of uh, Rashomon. Mm-hmm. Actually, uh, when I was watching that, all I could think about, I was like, because we talk about this all the time. Uh, this is uh, a Jay, one of your ideas. But I was like, I wonder... What would happen if Blumhouse remade Rashomon and the ghost like just Skyped in to his defense instead of being like brought in by a medium? Because it's like, can you imagine people trying to remake this and then presenting that thing in a different way? It's like, it's like, well, we can't just do that. We got to make it hip. <laughs> itchy. It's like, let's let's bring let's bring the ghost back through Skype. Like something really shitty like that. As you do. Uh, Speaking of remakes, uh, RJ, were you aware there was an American Western remake of Rashomon? Uh, I am. I was not. Uh, It's called The Outrage. Came out in 1964. Hmm. I did not watch it this week. I have seen it uh, a couple years ago because this movie, uh, The Priest... Uh, is played by William Shatner, and I was on a oh. and I was on a William Shatner kick. Is that uh, that movie that's in Esperanto? No, that would be Incubus, which is awesome. Oh, okay. uh, no, this is uh, this has got Paul Newman, and is, uh, <laughs> I gotta interrupt you. Is that why I wanted the Incubus? Was because I thought it was the William Shatner Esperanto movie? Probably. So like, okay, people. This is two weeks ago preamble stuff, but. It was a big one, all right? Yeah. Okay, I think I finally figured it out. I'm yeah. having a revelation yeah, here. Cr- yeah, crack the case. Jesus. So, uh, yeah, the outrage. The outrage. Uh, it's not It's not good. It's uh, very, like, it's. what do you expect? It has, like, the same thing where it's, like, they're in some, like, a train station waiting for the train, and it's, like, half burnt out, and the rain's pouring, and they're, like, I can't believe this happened. And they, it's, like, the exact same stuff, but it's, like, Paul Newman- um and uh oh I can't remember the name. Juan Carrasco. Yeah. So he's playing a Mexican. <laughs> uh actually Or is it the other way around? I think it's the other way around. Oh no, he is the yeah, he's right. He's yeah. playing the uh the whatever the, the half breed or half Mexican guy, whatever you want to call him. Lawrence Harvey, Claire Bloom, Edward G. Robinson as the mm. con man, William Shatner as preacher, and oh Howard Da Silva as the prospector. Um yeah, this movie, uh, when did I watch this bad boy? Martin Ritt directed it, so he's, like, not the worst or anything. Yeah, it was uh, two years ago. 
And like hmm. I said, I just remember watching it at the time. It's just, uh, as far as the Western goes, it's pretty flat. And there's like this kind of little tradition of uh, Westerns being uh, remakes of these Japanese Kurosawa movies mm-hmm. because they are very Western-y. Uh, with yeah. Seven Samurai, we got Magnificent Seven. And from Yojimbo and Sanjuro, we get kind of the uh, uh, few dollars more stuff like that, fistful mm-hmm. of dollars and stuff like that. Um, anyway. So yeah, so, that, that was a that was a failure, and it kind of shows it's like it's not necessarily like this thing translates exactly greatly. Uh, just because if you yeah. take the framework, it's like no, you have to actually bring something to the table and uh, yep. bring some of that uh, artisanal film craft to it. You know, uh, you know fresh what I'm saying? Date. Yeah, I do know what you're saying. Yeah, uh, um, I have a, a lot to uh, say off of that actually. So, if not for Creeptober, I probably would have watched this thing just for uh, due diligence sake. But I think it's really funny that. Um, uh, Paul Newman is playing a Mexican in that because one thing watching with Andrea that she noticed, she was like, for the the husband, she's like, that guy's not Japanese. <laughs> I was like, I'm pretty sure he is. She's like, no, he's not. He, he's like, he can't be Japanese. I was like, what do you mean? She's like, that dude is Mexican. I was like, what? And she she pulled up a picture Whoa. of uh from uh Napoleon Dynamite of Pedro, and she was and uh, she took a screenshot of the guy who plays the husband and Pedro. And she's like, that's the same fucking guy. Uh, and it is actually, I got to tell you, Jared, it's pretty compelling. There are some striking similarities in their characteristics. Yeah. I, so I will say, uh, uh, there is some talk of land bridges in, in, oh. the, in, the, in the long time ago where people would have, sure. where people would have migrated down the, the yeah. West coast of America and found themselves down in Mexico. So there's probably uh, some, I think there's a lot of, facial similarities between human humanities and humans yeah so i'm sure that there's a logical explanation but uh it is funny because that guy actually does look like pedro from mm-hmm. napoleon dime i'll put it on our instagram okay. uh this week so people can see yeah they can judge for themselves <laughs> people this, can this, judge for this, themselves. this is big hey you know what speaking of actors um what? so amongst like many things that this film's like successful at like the subtlety um of the performances of the actors because yeah. they, they, they have to like work like triple time because they have to take each of these character mm. roles and they figure things out, but they have to play it differently each time, different each, like, each time, each time it plays out. Like, so they have to do everything a little bit differently. So that it's really exciting. Cause it's like, they actually do a really good job. Um, yes. I, I think, uh, to, to, again, to my, they all non, do my non-native good, eyes, yeah. uh, looking at this, it's like I think they do a great job. Mufune is Mufune. I guess it was mm-hmm. what was it, his birthday or something like that yesterday. Yeah, it was. Fuck, we should have got this episode out two days ago. Got we blew a, it again. Got him a cake. Yeah. Um. No, they all do a really good job. Where the best way I could describe it is they all have their uh, they all have their run at uh, Kabuki Theater where each one of them gets to play like the over-exaggerated uh, version of it. Uh, that was one thing that took Andrea back. She's like, what's going on? She's like, why are these people laughing so hard? I was like, uh, I was like, I don't really know, but here's my guess. I was like, you ever heard of Kabuki theater? And she's like, what the fuck are you talking about? I was like, I don't know. <laughs> I was like, I'm just making shit up. Um, but yeah, they all do a really good job. Um, so I was going to say uh, there are some other stuff that uh, other things I really like about this movie. Uh, how about that fucking shot of the horizon? John Ford would have been so happy with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when uh, Tashiro Mifune is talking about riding his horse and it shows that shot. Oh, of him yeah, just yeah, riding yeah. The horse with the sunset. Isn't that what John Ford always said? Like, where's the horizon? Oh, yeah. yeah. As, for, as His tips he gave, I think, I think it was like to Spielberg. 
to Spielberg. <laughs> Where's the horizon? Yeah. Uh, that shot is amazing. I love it. Um, he's right, damn it. John Ford. He is right, yeah. Uh, a few little quotes here, Jared. I'll throw it to you that I thought were so funny. Uh, when Toshiro Mifune is talking about, he's like, you think I fell off my horse? He's like, I just, uh, I ate some bad, I ate some bad stuff uh, and I had a stomach ache. So uh, I just got off by choice because my tummy hurt. Uh, I think that is so funny for him to like rash justify the things where he's like, you think he's like, you think I was you think I couldn't ride my horse, man. I had a tummy ache. Like, what's your deal? Uh, I think that is awesome. I really like when the everyday man uh, he's talking like because they're talking about whose story to believe. And he says, I don't care if it's a lie, uh, if it's interesting. Um, and I was like, Hey, he's just talking about like fiction, man. Uh, he gets it. He's like, stories don't have to be true to be fun. Not like important stories, but, uh, you know what I mean? Um, what else we got here? Uh, this movie, uh, really hammers on a quote, beware the woman's story Oh boy! Yeah. End quote. Uh-huh. And, uh, it's, there yeah. are cold as ice. Uh, uh-huh. when loose quotes here, yeah. you've been with two men kill yourself yep uh this is the first time in a while we've got to kill yourself on the criterion collection <laughs> but, uh, it does come well we, we don't forget women use their tears to fool everyone they even fool themselves uh can't trust a woman's no, story a man here. has to make a woman his by his sword mm-hmm. all things to live by and uh you know maybe we should go go back to old heritage right Nobody cares about the Me Too stuff. I heard that new Halloween movie is all about Me Too. Oh. We'll, we'll find out. We'll, we'll find, find out. out. Uh, so anyways, I like that stuff. Uh, they're pretty harsh on women, um, which, bummer, but I guess it's 1950, so whatever. What are we going to do about it? Uh, and then uh, the one thing I love is how much uh, these guys are like such pathetic losers that they always try. All of them were trying to save face on uh, the way they told the story. And then, like you were saying, the fight scene, they're so bad at fighting. I love it. Like, when you get all their versions of the story and then you go to that story and they're just, they don't know what to do. They're so, like, taken aback. They're like, I've never actually fought somebody. Uh, I like uh, Toshiro Mifune's strategy of throwing the sword. Uh, He pulls that one off twice. Even for the the kill stroke, he just throws his sword at the guy, um, which I think is awesome. It's a good technique. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, um, I dig this movie, Jerry. I think Rashomon is very nice. Uh, <laughs> or at voice, very nice. Uh, and uh, I'm glad we got to watch it one day. I'm glad it's so early in the Criterion. Yeah. Yeah. It is good. We yeah, got to they... get a good run. They're... Actually, I was going to say, uh, sorry, I cut you off here, but um, I think this could even be a du- could have been a double header uh, with next week's Wild Strawberries because of themes of like memory and perspective and all that jazz, but uh, we'll get there. We we can't do Kurosawa and Bergman in the same episode. Yeah, that would be insane. That would be outrageous. Outrageous. But, yeah, Rashomon's uh, the real deal, I would say. Yeah. Well, you know what, RJ? Uh, oh, th- there, oh. it's We come to the sad part of our, uh, our weekly podcast. Don't who, do it. Who hates Rashomon, courtesy mm-hmm. of Letterboxd? Um, well, first of all, we got one star here from Sophie Kobo, 
who writes, possibly the most sexist film I've ever seen, as well as a terrifyingly backwards victim-blaming toxic depiction of rape. It seems to have been made with no knowledge of what it means to be sexually assaulted, and the depiction of women in it is wildly shocking. If you must watch it, I urge you to watch uh, Ida Lupino's Outrage, uh, made the same year, which portrays a woman's realistic struggle with the aftermath of rape. Uh, I... Fair point. Uh, I've I've actually seen uh, Lupino's Outrage as well, and is it yeah, good? it is good. Uh, she, uh, I did Lupino movie. She only made a few films, uh, but she was like, yeah. I mean, for a Latino uh, woman making directing her own movies in like mm-hmm. 1950s Hollywood and stuff like that, she she made some movies tackling hard edge film noiry stuff. Uh, they were hmm. absolutely worth watching. But yeah, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to pick at this comment too much because, like I said it myself, there's definitely things you're like, ooh, boy, I could definitely see this taking somebody out of the movie. Um, yeah, I agree with Sophie Kobo. That's uh, some pretty genuine stuff. Uh, she's got some good taste. Just gave Red Shoes four stars. I think it's higher than that, but that's okay. Pan's Labyrinth. Um, Howl's Moving Castle. That's a weird favorite movie. Uh, in her favorite movies, though, or five star affairs, it's a lot of Star Wars, and uh, Rogue One has five stars, which I find mm. upsetting. Yeah, not not so but, much. But uh, all the other choices are not bad. I I can understand uh, this uh, lady's sympathies yeah. here for this one. So. It's uh, I definitely say that's uh, for a modern viewer coming to this movie now too. Uh, it's yeah. I can definitely see it being a stumbling block. Um, yep. Oscar Harding, one star, has a preamble about doing 31 movies in 31 days. This was film 28 of 31. I'm sorry, but I did not enjoy any element of this film apart from a few beautiful songs. Uh, it's not a bad-looking film. That's all it's got, got going for it. Despite being less than 90 minutes long, it was boring and hard to follow. Poor performances all around. Tashira Mufune mm. was particularly insufferable, and uh, Machiko Kyo was absolutely unbearable. There is a way to overreact and do it well, but it was not present in Rashomon. Hmm. So Oscar Hardinger yeah. has some five-star picks that I think you would probably be on board with. Kill List is one of them. Mm. Uh, Lasagna Cat. Telephone sex survey results is another one. However, Jarrett, there are a lot of Kevin Smith movies, also five stars, which I don't think you would like. Uh, there is also um, some Avengers movies, but here's the big one. Uh, Oscar Harding just gave Mandy five stars. Mm. So I think that'll tell you what you need to know. I still haven't seen that, but uh, just based on your interpretation, I'll go off of that. So Fair enough. <laughs> Sergio Fernandez, one star. I did not like the movie. I think it was boring, not organized, and with a bad plot. I love classical cinema, but I hated the film. I recommend it uh, because it's one important movie in cinema's history, but if you want to watch it for fun, I don't recommend it. Um, I'm a little bit thrown off why they don't think it's put together right. Uh, Their favorite movies include Singing in the Rain, Rear Window, Casablanca, and get this, Jarrett, La La Land. Whoa. <laughs> uh-huh. Huh. Uh, what do we got here? One and a half star from Eli. I get we're supposed to hold this up as an undisputed classic, but the uh, the subject matter 
It's literally an hour and a half multi-perspective take on the aftermath of a rape. None of them particularly tasteful. Hmm. What is tasteful uh, aftermath rape? I don't know. I would I would ask. No. Um, Eli, it's a little out there. He gave uh, Pacific Rim five stars, Black Panther five stars, uh, Thirty Days a Night five stars, Princess um, Diaries five stars. A girl walks home alone at night. That's not a five star movie. Get out of here. Ooh, Sister Act though. They got one, but I feel like Sister Act's on here ironically. Hey, this person gave Howl's Moving Castle five stars too. Huh. You notice all these weird trends we see in uh, people who hate one movie? They all love this other random movie that's not connected in any way. It's weird. Yeah. It's weird. Um, I'm just kind of skimming. Uh, there's the one film critic, uh, Mike D'Angelo, I've mentioned before. Oh, here. God. Uh, he, he gave Rashomon two and a half stars, refers to himself Come as on. a blasphemer, and breaks the movie down. Um, I think he has some issues with the thought behind the whole concept of the movie as far as, like, the philosophical mm-hmm. stuff. And also mentions the uh, the horrific attitude toward women the film displays, which uh, yeah. it's hard to uh, get avoid. But there's also some mention here about uh, there's a some YouTube video called Rashomon Mystery Solved Video, which I mm-hmm. guess uh, gets into what really happened using all the edits or something like that. And people say it's quite good. I've not seen it, so I'm not going to go out on a branch there and say, watch it, folks, but mm-hmm. it exists. Uh, yeah. It is definitely not a film. Uh, that element definitely kind of, uh, if that is a thing that you do not want to see in a movie, well, this movie's got it. But yep. uh, despite that, I guess, uh, yeah, the, the, this ending of this movie gets me. Uh, I, I think it's mm-hmm. great. Uh, and technically, this movie's wonderful uh, to look at. And uh, yeah, I don't know. It's an interesting thing. Like, I, I think it's a... It's one of those great movies in the Criterion Collection. Uh, we'll see how, in time, though, uh, in this political moment, when, when people watch it uh, nowadays, mm. if uh, people might have a different attitude. It's kind of like watching movies in a post-walkabout world. Post-walkabout world. Yeah. What the hell yeah. do you mean by well, that? People can go back and listen to our walkabout episode. To... You know what? That's fine because... That's a movie that was the first time I shit all over a movie and just explained how bad it is and I hate it. But you know what? I think that's like our least, what is that? One of our least listened to episodes ever. No so one cares it, about Walkabout. It's nobody's favorite movie. Yeah. Uh, so it's fine. Uh, but oh, I talk about Salo and everyone fucking unloads on me. <laughs> some kind of fucking animal. Yeah. Another another sucks. classic uh, episode to listen to, folks. One of our best. Uh, Very best. That one doesn't need any more. Uh, that one doesn't need any more acclaim. You know what people should listen to? Uh, go listen to like the Red Shoes, or Charade, or Autumn Sonata. Those underrated movies that uh, everyone forgets about. Brief Encounter. Remember that one? That was pretty good. Yeah. Uh, any last thoughts? Uh no. Rosho Monster? That'd be a cool movie. Mm-hmm. Like an anime, Rosho Monster. Mm-hmm. You want to make that with me? <laughs> After the break, uh, so no? three men find a baby. and then they make Three a, men and a baby? That's, that's the end of the movie. You missed it. Oh. I didn't see Tom Selleck anywhere in this thing. You have to look closer. God damn it. I didn't know he was Japanese. 
Oh, he's Mexican. He's like Pedro. Yeah. Is he, isn't he like Mr. Baseball or something? Who, Tom Selleck or I Pedro? I don't know. I don't even know anymore. What are you talking about, dude? During that musical interlude, RJ found out there's an actual movie called Mr. Baseball. I don't care. I don't care so much. The Shut the, up, Jared. The, the, the tagline of Mr. Baseball from 1992, directed by Fred Schlepsi. He's mm. the biggest thing to hit Japan since Godzilla. Jack what? Elliott, a one-time MVP for the New York Yankees, is now on the downside of his baseball career. With a falling batting average, does he have one good year left? And can can the manager of the Chunichi Dragons, a Japanese central baseball league, find it in him? Um, I think I've seen that movie. And then Three Men and a Baby from 1987. They changed changed her diapers. She changed their lives. What's wrong with Three Men and a Baby? You know, I've never seen it. You... Fucking piece of shit. I'm, I'm, I feel more I'm putting out uh, Leonard Nimoy, the director of Three Men and a Baby. Uh, yeah, it's a good show. Leonard Nimoy got it. What's wrong with you? Is it as good as Funny About Love? Maybe, I don't know. Three Men and a Baby is pretty pretty rad, though. It's got it's got your buddy Steve Gutenberg in it. What, why have you never seen that? All this and more brought to you by the Criterion Creeps podcast. Mm. You can email us at criterioncreeps at gmail.com and tell us about your uh, favorite late 80s, early 90s comedies starring Steve Gutenberg. There are a couple to choose from. We've got a Mm -hmm. Facebook page. We're on Instagram. We're on YouTube. We're on Letterboxd. I'm Jared Duncan. He's Barnloaf. You can keep up with us uh, checking out those Creeptober movies that we're slugging our way through. Mm-hmm. And uh, what am I missing? Oh, we got a Patreon. Hey, if you're a listener and you want to throw us a buck or five, you can sign Whatever. on up. We'll take it. We're on sure. SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play, a bunch of other shit. Uh, you can on YouTube. You can get those uh, capsule reviews that just talk about that criterion, or you can listen to our full episodes that, to get the full experience mm. of RJ and Jarrett. Oh. Next week. Spine 139, Bergman, Wild Strawberries, 1957. I've never seen this, RJ. 
And it's what? Been, and it's been a long time coming. I got that Blu-ray like a year Jarrett. ago, saving it for this very week. So, Jarrett, Jarrett, this we- is a rare occurrence. I have seen wild strawberries. Yeah, you know this. Yeah, you have not seen wild strawberries. Yeah, you pathetic loser. For one more oh week. Oh my god. For one more week, I'm a pathetic loser, and then I ascend. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. Good night, folks. Um, watch a horror movie or something. Yeah, you'll get spooked. <laughs>